0: Welcome to episode 586 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode number. Five eight six of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz, how you go, mate? Pretty good. It's of Week, so it can't be better. Kona Week, you're in the car. You look like you're you look like you're a, a bloody perv in a car right now, don't you?
1: I am. I'm sitting on Kyteri <laughs> Beach. It's raining outside and uh, committed to the cause though.
0: That's what we like to hear. Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer And our patrons. And let's name a few. John, you go first and I'll go
1: second. Darren, double O Jones. And White Lightning, my old roommate, Hursley. And Richard, the golden one, Lonsdale.
0: Okay, guys, this week's show, we've got a little bit of news. We're keeping it pretty light on the news because we really want to talk about the big race that's happening this weekend. Kona's coming on. We've got a few interviews coming up, um, some age groupers. Uh, Who did you end up getting, John?
1: So I basically put a post out on Facebook, and we had a number of people say they're either happy to come on or uh, had friends nominate them to come on. So we got a little bit of a mix. We have uh, some age groupers. We have uh, one of the last qualifying pros. We had Joe Coombe, uh, Nikki Rose, Rory Duckworth, and Greg Penner, who are listeners of the show, and then Michael Fox, who's uh, sort of an up-and-coming pro, still works, so he's kind of like an age group pro, but he's still qualified, so I was keen to hear from him.
0: Okay, good times, rock Okay, so let's get into it, guys. So first of all, we're just going to talk about the races that has happened over the last week, and we had Ironman Barcelona, and uh, pretty fast times, Jumbo
1: they were indeed they always are at Barcelona and Bevan didn't take my hook last week when I said twice that it was the draft legal world championships which it isn't in fact but it's a bit of a debacle over there uh, we know there's a lot of drafting at, at most you know a lot of the big Ironmans around the world but um, Barcelona does seem to have a habit of taking it to the next level uh, not really sure if uh, how big a draft fest it was in the pros race irrespective the dudes went fast you know Anthony Costas uh, took it out from France in 7.49 Mike Phillips became the second fastest kiwi ever over the iron distance mm-hmm. uh, with a seven fifty two so great race by him, and Victor Zementsev was third also sub eight in seven fifty eight o three so Pretty fast racing on the guys' side. Equally on the girls, we had uh, four girls go under nine hours. So von Blanvleuken took it out in 8.46 from Lisa Lisa Huthaler from um, Austria in 8.51. And then Daniela Sengler from Germany was in 8.55. And Katja Konchak from Germany in 8.57. So four girls under um, nine hours. So pretty impressive on both sides of it.
0: Um, um, were you surprised by Mike's result?
1: Uh, not especially. You know that, that the time is amazing, and to ride a four oh nine is just ridiculously fast. But no, you always expect him to come out uh, towards the front in the swim, and he did in this uh, case. Uh, he's Good, big, strong rider, and he's definitely got the pedigree to run around that 250 on in the, in the right conditions. So really strong day. And he was leading for a big chunk of the race, but Anthony Coasters uh, came through and uh, sort of took it in the, the second half of the marathons. So good on those guys, you know, getting some points towards Kona for next year. Uh, we also had Ironman Taiwan happen over the last couple of weeks. And uh, Kevin Collington, former sort of short course dude, uh, surprisingly somewhat beat Marino at Van Holnacker.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, he came in at eight thirty four. Just slow eight... times. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, I th- I had a look, and this race was a week and a half ago. But I think the f- I think the first age grouper was uh, wasn't even sub ten hours or something like that. It was some crazy slow slow times. But it's just such a, a heat fest over there that it's very very difficult. So well, if you, you went
0: sub ten, you're in the top five basically, even yeah. with the pros.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, um Simon Cochrane from New Zealand was in third place on the girls' side of things uh, Lauren uh, Wozner from the u s a took it out at nine fifty so only one girl going under ten hours, Kate Bevel-Aqua was ten thirty six and Charlotte Morel was third in ten fifty four so basically, if you can survive that run you're going to go okay like guy crawford kiwi you know he ran a 403 and yeah. that guy can run you know close to three hours so it shows how tough it is over there on the run when it gets that hot
0: what did you know oh I'm, I'm throwing a question at you that i imagine you may not know the answer to but do you know how many age groupers are doing that
1: race no i didn't have a look i do no, i don't know the answer to okay. that so maybe you can do some research while i'm um, okay. pandering on oh, well. about at some stage, and we yep. can come oh. back to that.
0: Okay, we also had uh, Super League is going to Penticton next year, John. Geez, Penticton! I, I think they ultimately regretted getting rid of Ironman, but they've done their best to keep themselves in the triathlon world, haven't they?
1: They have. So they had the long distance world championships this year. The ITU with a whole festival of events. So have got the the challenge race and now Super League. So it's going to be in August next year. They're going to run a age group race alongside the pro race. Oh, now, the they. Time- yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be the same sort of format. The age groupers will have a race so they can do a race and then spectate what format that race is. I don't know. Um, but it's good timing because I've always said that timing is critical for these Super League races. So in uh, Canada next year, there's two rounds of the um, ITU circuit in, I think it's July and August, and this sits in between those. So you've got to give yourself a chance to get all those top pros together and they'll likely be in the States or in in canada so good timing um it's just going to be really interesting to see where this goes and whether they can keep attracting all the top pros um and ultimately money talks the guys the guys seem to love guys and girls seem to love the racing uh it's just gonna they're just gonna need to make sure that they keep uh bankrolling it and uh we'll see where it leads so yeah good to see the, the 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 racing expanding
0: Oh, I just wonder what their long term strategy is Of getting branding awareness to outside of our world, you know, like, it seems like they've got really good exposure, good TV coverage in lots of different locations. Um, but if, if it's going to be something that people want to kind of get hooked on, there's got to be a bit more consistency in how often they're, they're delivering the experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. You know, it's got to be basically a series, you know, whether it be four, four rounds around the world and you have uh, series points or however it's going to be. But, yeah, totally agree, rather than just random events popping up here and there and you don't know where the next coming from. Um, yeah. It would be nice to see, you know, okay, 2018, we're going boom, boom, boom. We'll start in Australia, then we'll go to Canada, then we'll go to the UK at the end of the year or however it's going to pan out so you can actually, you know, Get ready to follow the series. So going back to Ironman Taiwan,
0: they had uh, basically 700 athletes, including the pros. Although there are only about 15 pros, so p- probably one of the smaller Ironman in the world. But still, you know, 700s, you know, obviously worth doing. Exactly. Okay, we're, we've got we got back to Roat next year, guys, and we've got some more announcements around the Roat. Um, John, let them know what's going to be happening with Roat.
1: Yeah, so um, Scott Molina and Erin Baker are going to be uh, planning on joining us for the camp because Erin's uh, going to have the commitment over there of doing uh, oh, being in a one's cup. So Scott popped me an email and said they're, they're looking at coming on the camp. So if you want to – not only – the whole camp experience is incredible, um, but you'll get those two. Also Jan Wanklin is coming on the camp, a former uh, Ironman winner. So, look, it's, it's going to be a really cool experience. Oh. We do- people to sign up early because we only have our slots open for a short period so if you're going to make this happen get in touch with us get yourself on the list and you've got a fairly short window to get yourself sorted because uh, we want to make sure we have you know as many people on the camp as we can and have a great experience just like we did this year.
0: Okay, so let's get into this Kona super special stuff here, Jombo. So first of all, coverage. that It seems that there's going to be a bit better live coverage this year because Red Bull TV are putting it out internationally, I think it was, and NBC in America are doing it, a live event. Yes,
1: yeah, so I think they're just going to do it through their live channels. So um, whether they're just going to reproduce the same old stuff that they do each year with the Kona coverage, we'll just have to wait and see. My hope is, you know, that they just have a few more cameras out on course because um you know chances are that this could be the Daniela reef show on the girl's side and if the camera's just following her all day it's not going to be that interesting you know if they can get say four or five cameras out there on the road um i think it'll make the whole experience a hell of a lot more enjoyable to watch so got our fingers crossed that they will uh you know really up their game in terms of the cameras out there. I think the commentators do as good a job with the information that they've got. Um I think it would be fantastic if they had someone like Torsten in there, you know, giving them more information to to be using as they're going through their commentary, but you know, fingers crossed. Um we're going to see a bit of a lift this year, would be great.
0: Um we interested to see because Red Bull is big sponsor of um both Braden Curry and Daniela Arif you know mm. in their mind i wonder if they're quite happy just to keep the camera on her at the front because it's more advertising for them
1: yeah but the, uh, at the same time then you will just people will just start switching off i think so yeah, true. You, you want you want to have some exciting coverage
0: okay so let's talk about the race john let's let's break down the swim what, what's happening in the swim this year
1: yeah, it's just I just picked up on the, the swim starts. It's slightly different to when I raced in 2014, so I'm not sure if this was the same as last year. So uh, this year they're kicking off at 6.35 with the pro men. There's a five-minute gap to the pro women. Um, a couple of years ago when I raced, it was actually starting 10 minutes earlier, so it may be something to do with the, um, the, the tides or sunrise or whatever, but 6.35 is kick-off time the other difference is uh, there is a bigger gap this year 25 minutes between the pro woman and the age group men uh, and i think that's so that's an extra 5 minutes from oh, years ago and that that is good because it's not really the, the age group men aren't really going to affect the race for the top two or three in the women's race. But they, you know, when the, the the front guys start to come through potentially on the bike, they can influence people in the top 10 potentially. So I think that's a that's a good move. Uh, so the age group men are starting at seven seven oh five. 705. Um, when I raced it was 650. Uh, and then there's a, a slightly larger gap back to the age group woman as well. So this year there's a 15 minute gap between the uh, age group men and the age group women starting at 720. So so again, for the age group women, they're still going to have to battle through a ridiculous number of men. But maybe that won't happen so much in the swim um, because that's not that much fun when you've got to swim through large packs of guys. They're still going to have to deal with a lot of congestion on the bike, though.
0: So the only the only downfall of this, and I know I think this is really good, is that for those age group women. The 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 seventeen hour mark gets dropped by twenty minutes, so it means they have to get in at sixteen forty, which, you know, for the older age group woman that's a big pressure. So in some ways that's probably the only bummer about doing it this way.
1: Mm. I totally agree. So, yeah, yeah my annual sort of uh, rundown of the course that I like to do to hopefully enhance you guys when you're watching the race if you haven't been to Kona before. So the swim is a, a deep water start. It's quite difficult for, for the age groupers to get in and uh, get to the start. So it's one of the very few mass starts left anywhere on the in the world on the Ironman circuit. So it's a mad rush to try to get into the water and actually find your position um, for, for the age groupers. Not such a big deal for the pros. It's a counterclockwise. A one-lap course so you're swimming a long way out and it takes forever to get to that turn uh, you've got a short little stint across the back where you go around some big boats and then you've got a long drag back into back into, to shore and you exit at uh, Digme Beach and yeah, it's you know, what quite often we have a bit of swell out there, it tends to thin out, in my experience, quite a bit on on the back half. Um, so yeah, the swim is uh, you know, for a lot of people, they don't get to, to swim in the sea. You know, so many races these days are in uh, in lakes and their wetsuit swims. So for a lot of people, they've, they've never experienced a non wetsuit swim in the sea. So it's a big challenge for some people,
0: it really is. Because I know for me, I hadn't really done well, I hadn't when I did a Kona. And- you know I wasn't a strong swimmer well, you know I, I worked hard and I became an okay swimmer by the end of it but it was definitely a bit of a you lose a bit of confidence because having that wetsuit does make a difference for those people who you know maybe weren't as strong as someone like yourself
1: mm. but it is a a—it's co- a very cool start you know when you're out there you're in warm water you know, and you, you know you, you, the helicopters are coming over it, it's oh, it has yeah. got a really cool buzz at the start of that swim
0: yeah for sure and the guns go off and it's Quite, quite explosive,
1: isn't it? It is. So it's just going to be really interesting to see what happens over the, the next years if they change uh, to wave starts. I've, I've heard no rumours or anything that they're going to, but, you know – we just keep coming back to this drafting every year on the bike, and uh, there's pros and cons to, to whatever way you start races. But it will be a bit of a shame if we lose that mass start because it's a pretty cool spectacle for the spectators as well as uh, being an athlete. Uh, although a lot of people do get the crap beaten out of them. So you come out of the swim, and uh, and the transition is on the on the pier there. Uh, you know, there's a couple of thousand people racing, so good-sized transition. You come out, uh, you've got a very short kick uphill straight out of transition, and then you've got a couple of Ks flat. Uh, then you have another uh, fairly sharp little climb to get up onto the Queen K, and you keep on climbing up the famous Mark and Dave Hill, and then you come downhill, uh, down Palani, which is a no-passing zone, so it's really difficult if you get stuck behind people that are, are terrible centres. How, how long is that for, John? Oh, it's about 400 metres or so, I'd say. Uh, and I was I was fuming two years ago when I got here. <laughs> so for the age group, it's difficult. For the pros, it is just nuts. So then you go up Kuakini Highway, which is quite a rough road with some um, potholes and you're going through sets of lights and stuff, not that you have to stop. You come to a turn point and then you come back down into town and you have a climb up 400 metres to the Queen K. So it's around about a 13-kilometre or 8-mile circuit around town. So good for the spectators because you come back in and you get to see all the athletes again. Um, But the men's race in particular just is frantic in the pro race. Um, People jostling for position uh, and they just look like they're going ITU effort. And the age group... Race is is somewhat similar. People are just going nuts out there, uh, so it's it's a really difficult part of the race for for the athletes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I just love how you got so frustrated because when did you get your your um, drafting penalty? What stage of this um, bike was that?
1: That uh, was probably midway down the Queen K. So yeah, you okay. basically pop out of town up the up Palani and Palani is a good gradient. You know, I don't it's know deceptive, if deceptive t- isn't it. Cameras don't do it justice. I, I'm, I'd say it's ballpark, sort of 8%, something like that. It's, it's pretty decent. and Man, some guys are pumping out some big watts up there.
0: Yeah, crazy
1: stuff. So then once you're at the top of Palani, then you're going along the Queen K, which you guys will have all heard of before. It's uh, 50 km, around about 50 kilometres long. It rolls up and down. You know, It's pretty much big chain ring the whole way, very smooth surface, and then the wind can be doing anything you know it can start around 30 kilometers down the road typically around the Waikaloa mark so you will have heard that name mentioned and then when you get to the end of the Queen K uh, you turn left and you go down into Kawaihi, which is a, a very small town and that's when you make your turn to head up to Harvey so um, yeah the Queen K and the pro race you don't tend to see too much happening you know you've got that lead pack that's um riding along and it, what you really look for is, is how quickly the likes of Keenley and sanders and that are gaining on that group you know sometimes they just rock it up there um but it's always a case of, you know, a bit like at the 70.3 World Champs, is that front group going to be drilling it this year and trying to make it difficult for the likes of Keenley and Sanders? Or are they just going to be jockeying for position, sort of waiting until the cyclists, not so much waiting for the cyclists to come, but, but not, uh, not killing themselves? Mm,
0: mm. And then from there?
1: And then you start uh, – and I guess the main thing for the age group is there is it's very difficult not to draft if you're, a, you know, one of the better swimmers. There's a, everybody's of, uh, you know, somewhat similar ability on the bike, so it's really challenging to, to ride your own race. So from Kawaii, then you turn right and you're heading up to Harvey. Uh, it's basically a staircase climb. It's not particularly difficult. But the one thing that can make it challenging is, uh, is the winds can really pick up uh, at this stage. So in the pro race, you don't really tend to see you kind of think because it's uphill, you'd expect the race to be splintering to pieces. But often, what we see is not so much on that uphill that it falls, uh, that it really starts to spread out. It's on the the downhill. So guys are probably killing themselves to hang on, and then when they get to the downhill, you know, lose a bit of concentration, or the big cyclists really start to lay it down and use their descend, descending skills, and, and the race can really um, come apart on the on the descent from Harvey. So uh, yeah, it's it's not. As I said, not particularly steep, uh, and the pros will be doing it in their big chain ring almost all the way, um, but it's just what what that wind is doing.
0: And it's also because, you know, some of the guys who are lesser cyclists, they're just starting to fatigue at that higher level pace? Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's, it's an exciting part of the race. Mm-hmm. Girls' race, you know, again, it, it kind of... I, in my experience of watching, it's a bit different the girls. They do start to splinter a bit more on the climb, Harvey. you know, their pack is, is often not as big. Um, but we kind of expect at that stage of the race that Daniela Reef might be absolutely crushing it. Um, it is good for that, that period of the race for age group as it does start to, to spread out a little bit more and you can start to ride your own ability. Uh, then you come down, you go into high, you've got a tough little climb to get up Onto the Queen K, very very hot, and then you turn right onto the Queen K, and that's around about the 130, 140 k mark, and you've got about 50 k's uh, to get back into town. So, that is the, the key part of the race for age groupers is, is to is that's when you can make big gains. You can lose a lot of time. You know, it's that time of the race when you're getting a bit tired and fatigued. Mm. And the same thing happens on the pros, you know, along the Queen K is where the big gaps can open. Remember watching Macca one year, you know, really attack on the climb to Scenic Lookout, which is probably about 15 Ks uh, back towards town, and just attacked hard, and he just put minutes into everybody. So strategically a great move, and, uh, you know, that's where we will yeah, hopefully maybe see the big riders really start to 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 lay some smack down and make the race interesting.
0: Well and for age groupers as well, it's that kind of funny time period of the race where you're not quite close enough to to the finish of the ride, you know, that's that you're kinda of motivated to get it done. You're kind of in that no means land of distance of the ride where it's kind of mm-hmm you're a little bit tired, you're a little bit fatigued, you're not quite close enough to the end, you know, maybe you start to forget about nutrition, it's, you know, this is often where people can lose a lot of time just because they're a little bit distracted.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a great part of the race and it's it's just, it's a it's a really tif- difficult part of, of the Kona course, especially if it's been a windy day, you know, you're tired, you're over it, and if you've got 50 k's of headwind yeah, um, yeah. all the way back to the town, it's difficult. Whereas, and the, the, the you can never predict what the wind's doing. You know, I see people looking at weather maps and you think it's going to be calm and we've been in, in town and it's been calm as anything and it's been blowing a gale equally. We've been in town and there's been a bit of wind and you're going, man, if there's some wind out here, it's going to be horrendous. And then you hear reports, so it wasn't too bad this year. So, you can't look at the weather forecast at all. It just it means every year they say, oh, "Well, the forecasts aren't for much wind, and then people come back saying it was the worst ever. Um, so it's just anything. Last time I raced, you know, we had a tailwind for the start of the, the 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 ride back into town along the Queen K, and and going really really fast, and then it swings around about you know 10-15 k's later, and you have a headwind for the last section. So it's just a Really good honest course um, on the bike ride and just grinds you down. So, But the good thing is um, when you're coming off the bike you have a, a tiny descent into, into um, Kona itself so you can kind of just loosen up and do a little bit of freewheeling to get yourself ready for the run. Uh, the run when I raced a couple of years ago I got the measurement at uh, 42.2 kilometres so it is a good accurate run. Uh, you do a little loop around town and then you head out along Alii Drive, um, which is just, a, it's got some gentle rollers in it, nothing too extreme. There's a bit of crowd support out there, which is nice, but it's not anything like Rote or any of the the big, big races, just because not that many people travel over there. Uh, But you can keep a nice average speed if things are going well. It is pretty hot. Um, and then the, the the real challenging part of the course is when you come back into town. You're around about ten miles in. You turn right. You've got that climb up Palani Hill, which, as we said, is around about four hundred meters of torture. The best strategy is to be walking up there. The pro, a lot of the pros walk up there. It's um, it's tough. It's hot. You're getting a bit tired, and then you get to the top, and you're onto the Queen K, which is just you know, twenty five k's of loneliness. Mm. Uh, it really is aid, running aid station to aid station. And for the pros, you know, if you're one of those leading pros, there is nobody out there It is aid station to aid station. If you're leading, maybe you have a few lead vehicles, but everybody else, we've, we've been out there before, and, you know, you're just standing on the side of the road. There's nobody. All you hear yeah. air- there's a patter of feet coming towards you, and it's like, this dude's coming third in Man and there's nobody around him.
0: And especially on the way out, because on the way back, you you know, obviously see people coming towards you, but on the way out, it is real no-man's land, isn't it?
1: It really is. Um, it's, you know, it's, and it's gently rolling along the Queen K. Um, it's, it's nothing severe, but when you start to feel tired on the way back, um, those climbs do start to feel uh, harder. You obviously all heard about the Energy Lab and... Um, the reason why it's got such a, a, a strong name of places where people's races explode is yes, it's a little bit hotter. Um, so you basically turn off the Queen K. You have a very gentle downhill um, for a couple of k's, maybe I think it's about 3 k's, and then you turn around and come back out. So it's a bit hotter down there. It's often um, not a lot of wind, or if there is wind, it's a tailwind coming out, which makes it even hotter when you're going uphill with a tailwind. But the main reason I feel that it's got such a a strong name of, of sort of a graveyard for many athletes is because... Of the stage of the race it is, it's around about that sort of thirty k mark. So you're sort of three quarters into the run, and you're just getting to your limits. So I think a combination of where it is in the race, potentially having a bit of tailwind, see so overheating, bit of an uphill, and you can sometimes come out of that uh, energy lab feeling pretty nuked.
0: And, and it's often the defining moment of the race, really, isn't it? When we look at the pro race, you know, like it's often around the energy lab time is where you're going to see what's really going to happen in the race. Like John and I've been there, Marino in particular, went into the energy lab in first place, came out in a bloody ambulance, you know, like it's, it's seriously, because if you've been pushing the limit that hard at that point, you know, if the wheels are going to fall off, they're going to fall off about then, aren't they?
1: Oh, they certainly are. So it's, um, yeah,
0: we we were there twice where they happened to Marino, weren't we?
1: Yeah, one year he was definitely leading. Another year, I'm not sure if he was leading, but he was definitely right up there. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, he, he he left it all out there.
0: So I just did a quick search for the weather. No, I know it's long range, but a long range for Sunday, uh, it's gonna. If, if it's looking pretty good, actually, 31 Set- degrees. That- oh, Saturday on that case, Saturday you're screwed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Saturday stormy. Saturday stormy. So, um, 31 degrees stormy. But the winds are only 6Ks an hour, so the winds aren't too bad. Today they're 18Ks an hour, so pretty strong today. So, yep, so fingers crossed, clears up, it's not too bad on Saturday. So, Jolton, so then you come out of the energy lab and it's just race to the finish.
1: It is, you know, got 11Ks and, and we've seen some good battles in our time. You know, one year we've had M- uh, Marinda, you know, running Dan- Daniela Reef. We've had Maka versus Raylert. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen this year? But it's still, you know, a long way to go and anything can happen. Uh, so unless you've got, you know, a good three, four, five-minute lead, uh, I think people, you know, need to be need to be worried about where they're at.
0: Yeah, good times. Okay, John, let's talk about our sponsor and then we'll go to more of our Kona coverage. Our sponsor
1: extreme endurance last time we were recording which was what two weeks ago um i was coming down with a little bit of a cold got on the old extreme endurance immune boost again and it seems to just work nine times out of ten for me is if i feel a bit of sickness coming on start slamming down the immune boost good and hard and uh i seem to be able to just pull myself out of it fairly successfully. So guys, if you're, you know, if it's that time of the year where things are cooling down for especially you Northern Hemisphere athletes, get a bit of the old immune boost on board. Remember the promo code IMTALK20 and uh, just start slamming it. If you feel any sort of tickle coming on, just go hard and uh, look after yourself and get yourself out of any sickness because we know how much of a rut that can put into your training if you, you know, lose a week through, you know, having a you know a terrible cold or anything. Uh, you want to be doing everything you can as soon as you feel the onset uh, and hopefully you can dig yourself out like I often do. So check it out, guys, xendurance.com, and use the promo code Talk 20 for a 20% discount. You
0: say slam it down, John. When you say slam it down, how many do you take?
1: Oh, that, no, it's just the, the recommended dosage. So it's uh, three or four twice a day and morning and night. And obviously keep on top of all your nutrition, your hydration as well. But just seems to work for me you know, almost every time.
0: Nice work. Okay, John, last week's discussion of the week, we basically said, who are your picks for Kona? We want to see your top three for both men and females and your 33rd athlete. And we said 33rd overall, didn't we? Both female and male, didn't we?
1: Yes, but I think we were meaning pros. So if there's yeah, any age, yeah, there, yeah. uh, we'll exclude them. Uh, so Rob Gray, uh, he was saying Tim Donner's his dark horse pick. For the rest, Frodo Sanders, Langer, and Keenley, and Buckingham for thirty-third.
0: Oh, he didn't go for the girls, but there we go. And uh, Arnold has got Reef uh, Sida, Sidder? is it Sidel?
1: Uh, Sidel, yeah. Yep.
0: yep. Uh, Joyce Jackson, and then uh, what's what's her name? Uh,
1: Kaiser Sally. Yes, yeah, she's
0: yeah, that's right. And then we've got Sanders, Frodo, uh, Keenley, Don, uh, or Tim O'Donnell, and his thirty-third
1: was Stein. I'm looking through here, and I think, I think every single person, just about, has picked uh, Frodo, except for Annette Lee. No. She's gone for Keenlay, Frodo, Hoffman, Sanders, O'Donnell, and then on the girls' side of things, Reef, Crowley, Jackson, Joyce, and Charles.
0: Well, Robert B. hasn't gone. He's gone. He's gone. Keenley, Hoffman, O'Donnell, Frodo, and Kanwa. So there you go. Pete Jack. Uh, he's got 33rd. Pete, which I think maybe would be Pete. Um, Pete, Pete Jacobs, yeah. And he's got Reef Jackson, Joyce, and Sally, and Crowley. Uh,
1: Mendel Kratz. He's got Frodo, Hoffman, Keenlay, Sanders, and Jesse Thomas. And then on the girls, he's got Reef Jackson, Baronek, Joyce, Corbin, and O'Donnell. And
0: Ollie, Ollie the Sausage Man. He's got Frodo, Keenley, Don, Sanders, and Lang. And then Reef, Vestibury, Charles, Joyce, and Sally. And then 33 is Charles.
1: And last one I'll do, uh, Brody Edge has got Frodo, Nilsson, O'Donnell, Don, and Amberger. And then Reef, Jackson, Sally, Crowley, and Charles.
0: Okay, well, then I'll go Mindale Mende- Kratz. And he's got Frodo, Ben Hoffman. Was that?
1: I've said him already.
0: Oh, have you? Oh, Jeepers yep. Creepers. Daniel Clark, have you done Daniel Clark?
1: I've not done Daniel Clark. Frodo,
0: Hoffman, McMahon, Keenley, uh, Kyson's Lane, maybe? Uh Castellan and then uh Reef, Crowley, Jackson, uh Bernardic. Oh, I'm terrible for my names today. Robinson and then thirty third is read. John, what are your picks? I now I did, I did my picks when Thorsten asked, so I haven't changed anything here. I'm giving you because <laughs> he before his before his um, Kona report, he asked emailed yes. us. So I, I sent this to Thorsten on the twenty eighth of August and I'm sticking by it. So what are your you picks, John?
1: Hit us with your us with yours.
0: Okay, so I've got men Frodo, Keenley Hoffman, and my wild card is Brayden Curry. Uh, Braden Curry sorry. Uh, yeah. And then females have gone Reef, Jackson, Crowley, and Joycey is my wild card.
1: Joycey with your wild card. Mm. Joycey is a bit of a wild card. I mean, she's outside of Reef. She's by far the most successful athlete. Yeah, it's in- just timing, isn't it? It's just whether or not she's built nicely into this or, or not. So I'm just trying to find my picks. My, my picks that I sent to Torsten were Jan Fredino, Andy Potts, and Tim Don. Andy oh, my wild... Potts in second? Yeah, and Tim Reid for, uh, for my wild card. Wow, that's a, that's a big call to call Potts in before Keaneley. It is a very big call. <laughs> <laughs> Daniela Reef, uh, Heather Jackson, and Lucy Charles on the girls' oh, side Lucy of my Charles. cards okay. being Carrie Lester and Annabelle Luxford. So what I did, though, I, we've said this before, but I thought I'd better back back this up. But in the modern era, other than Chrissy and Luke Van Laird, nobody has ever sort of won the race without being on the podium previously. So I kind of went back and had a bit of a look through. So Frodo, he went from third to first. He was third in 2014 and first in 2015. Daniela Reif, her first race over there, she was second when we had that monumental run by, um, by Carfree. So oh, she yeah. went That was amazing. Said, 2014, 2015. Keenlay had a third before he won it um, in 2014. Pete Jacobs, he steadily moved up the ladder um, and went from second to first in 2011. Macca, um, he, he had uh, lots of failures, but also got on the podium in, in 2006 before he won in 2007. Crowy, he was second uh, in 007 before he won in 0'8. Stadler uh, had a third in 2000 before he won in 004. Karen Smyers, she had a second in 94 um, and then won the following year. and Natasha Badman had a second in 96 and then went on to win many occasions. So based off that, it's quite a fascinating fact, isn't it?
0: you know like it's really quite interesting to, that it seems to be that you have to have kind of figured out how to get on the podium before you can figure out how to win the thing.
1: Yeah, no, it is. And, and, and so it, it doesn't apply for the rest of the podium. This is purely for the win. We've had lots of people get on the podium before who haven't necessarily done anything yep. at Cunha. But uh, so based off this, the only men that have a chance of winning this race are Frodo, O'Donnell, Keenlay, Hoffman, Van Laird, McKenzie, and Langer. Uh, mm-hmm. On the girls' side of things, the only ones that in theory have a chance are Reef, Jackson, and Joyce. Wow. So only girls uh based off this theory and you kind of think that I don't think there's any other girl well no there is actually a few other girls that could potentially win it um but in terms of my sort of thoughts on the race for the win
0: oh, so, I so, th- so now you you've pulled away you pulled away from your good friend uh Andy Potts
1: no this is for the win oh okay purely for the win potts is gonna be on that podium but purely for the win my feeling is it's really between Frodo and Keenley, but I reckon the only other two that have a chance of winning is Tim Don and Lionel Sanders based off their past performances. Tim Don purely off what he did in Brazil because he's one mm. of the, the few that can run super fast and could be there all day. And Lionel Sanders, we we know what he's done elsewhere around the world. Who knows what he can do in Kona, but um, I kind of feel that only those four have got a chance of winning there's probably another 10 or 15 guys that could be on the podium. With me, with Sanders, he's still a bit too exposed in the swim. And in Kona,
0: it's just still too much of a, of uh, you know, his swim has got better, but as, and in Kona, it's such a strong field. You know, you, you, that, that little weakness there is a massive weakness overall. And so I'd love him to win it because I really love him as an athlete, but I'm, I'm not quite sure if he's there yet.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel that if he's got to do it himself, it's going to be pretty hard. But if he can have that swim where he comes out with Keenlay, or mm-hmm. is able to latch onto Keenlay early on, then uh, then I think he's got a chance. But if he's got to solo it, you, know, you never say never. But um, yeah, I'd be, if I had to bet on this, I'd be putting my entire investment on uh, Jan Frodeno, yeah. Um, yeah. I just think he's raging hot favourite. The girls' race, man, I just do not know what to say about this, because we all know Daniela Reeve should win this race by 15 minutes or so. Which is crazy,
0: we're just even saying that, John, that's crazy. It's a world championship, and we're saying she should win by 15 minutes, that, like, how dominating is that?
1: Oh, and, and fully expect her to do it. But if she's not – you know, if she – something happens to her and either she can't race or she can't get through the race or whatever it might be, the race for second is just – I've got absolutely no idea what's going to happen. And And – so anybody could take it. You know, you've got um, Jackson, I think, would be the really uh, a strong favourite for being on the podium based off what she did last year and what we've seen other races. Joycey, big question mark next to her. Anya Baronet could go really aggressive on the bike like she did last year. And then Sarah Crowley's been the big improver. Um, and Vestaby's pretty consistent. And and, and Sally is, was there sort of last year as well. So I've got no idea. if I had, If I was putting money on second place, I, wouldn't be, I basically would withhold my bet, I think.
0: If, if Joyce had come back th- a couple months earlier, I'd put my money on her. But mm. she had to do the extra Ironman. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. Was, <laughs> although I, I, in my picks, I went Jackson. So there you go, and then Crowley. So um. So John, it's awesome, but isn't it? This is the one <laughs> time of year in the triathlon long course that we get to see all of the best athletes out there in their peak condition really smacking it out and it's gonna be pretty cool to kind of just sit down i've got to work sunday john i'm not happy so i'm gonna to have to be doing updates while i'm working so i'm gonna to have to try to figure that out somehow but you know it's it's just such a cool day in the triathlon calendar isn't it
1: it is i just really hope that the battle for the podium gets some great coverage on the girls side of the race because i think you know we all think danielle Arif is going to be out front but it's going to be really, really interesting. There could be loads of changes in positions uh, for those you know, girls for going for the podium. So uh, exciting times ahead.
0: Who's your 33rd?
1: 33rd? I didn't have a name earlier on. Um, I'm going to go for uh, I hope he doesn't, but I'm going to go just put one out there for our interviewee today, uh, Michael Fox. But I'm hoping he finishes in the top, top 15. Top 10 would be fantastic for him.
0: I'm going to go Andy Potts. He's <laughs> my <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: withdrawing mine. I'm, I'm withdrawing mine because I want Michael Fox to go better than that. Okay. But I'm going to go with my tried and true Luke McKenzie. Is he racing? Because he raced a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Oh, I don't know. Remember, he, didn't he win a race? We got like second yeah. or something. Yeah, I think weeks. he. Are. I don't actually know if he's racing or so not. I'm assuming that he's
0: not racing for that reason.
1: Hmm. Good. Good. Good Cause point. Because he I,
0: he hasn't got the five year entry because he only got second Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But just the fact that he was racing a couple of weeks ago, I thought, oh, he can't be doing Kona. So so give me another one. Uh,
1: okay, okay. Because he, sure he could... was
0: the original 33rd, wasn't he?
1: He was, that was. That's where I'm going from again. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I will go for Denny Chevro.
0: Okay, there you go. Denise Chevro, 33rd. John, we're going to put a few interviewers on right now. Have, um, a few age groupers, the pro, and Thorsten as well. So here we go. I'll be putting them all back to back, guys. So here's all the interviews.
1: Okay, we've got our expert on knowing the inside stats about all the athletes, and he's actually going to be in Kona this year for the first time. So uh, Thorsten, welcome back to the show.
2: Well, thanks for having me again. It's been a long time since we've chatted, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, since uh, I guess probably uh, wrote was uh, when we when we saw you last. So tell us about your, your travels to Kona, because we're pre-recording this, and this is going to be coming out on Tuesday of uh, race week, Monday, Tuesday. So tell us about your travels to actually get to the Big Island, even though you're not there yet.
2: <laughs> no, my wife and I decided to have a couple of uh, days before the race um, of vacation time so we spend a couple of days in Honolulu uh, currently in Maui and then we'll fly into uh, the big island a week before the race and then try to get uh, as much of the race week craziness and then catch the race themselves and yeah very much looking forward to that and I hope my wife is not too annoyed at me for spending too much time with all the triathletes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know the race inside out as much as anybody does um who hasn't actually been there so what are you sort of expecting from the week in terms of say say compare it to rote or, or other races that you've you've gone to see you know what what are your expectations um, we want to make sure they're not too high uh so you don't end up disappointed <laughs> but what are you what are you hoping to do and and what are your expectations
2: well, I mean from from what I heard is that the race itself or the the race venue itself is probably smaller than comparing to Roth because um, the only people crazy enough to go there during race week will be either the athletes or uh direct industry people or the the family of the of the people racing there. So, um compared to uh, venues such as Roth or Frankfurt or the, or the the big European races, they attract a lot of um you know, fans of the sport that just drop by. Mm. That's kind of hard for the people to do in, in Kona. So I expect uh, probably it, it's going to be a little bit smaller than the big races, <clears throat> but the race itself is, is going to be the, the main draw of the week, I guess. So I expect everyone who is there going to be a little bit more um, focused, a little bit more nervous, a little more on edge than uh, if it's just a qualifying race. And we'll see how that turns out.
1: And what's your what's your race day strategy?
2: We haven't completely figured it out yet because I have a couple of things that I might be doing on race day. But uh, we absolutely want to catch the swim start. Um, so not sure how early we, we, we're going to get out there, catch the swim start, um, catch the first transition, um, see people riding through town and then leaving town and then see them come back. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do in the meantime, because there won't be too much to see unless you drive out uh, to either Javi or at some point along the bike course. But as long as people are on the bike, uh, maybe um, do some other stuff. And then uh, we have an apartment that's on Ali Drive. So we hope to uh, be able to see some of the run um, from the apartment or close to there. And then of course, see the uh, pro athletes finish Uh, And I hope that some press credentials helps me to get a decent place, even if I'm coming late to the to the finishing line area.
1: I think your goal for the day should be to ensure that you get on the Ironman Live coverage because the, guy, the guys do a good job and, and I know that they're not flush with huge amounts of information and they're kind of watching the race from the, the same vantage point that we are, but it'd be great to see you on there actually giving them some statistical backup. So that should be your, your goal for the week is to get get on the coverage.
2: Well, I'm not sure how much I can do to uh, ensure that. I, I'll certainly be up to it and uh, if I hope to meet the guys and have a chat with them. If they allow me to come on the show, I'll be more than happy to.
1: If anybody's listening to this and you've got any influence, get on there. Let's start a social media war to try to make sure we get Torson on there. <laughs> so it's a- starts uh, talking some sense on there so okay you've got your Kona rating report out and guys you can go to tryrating.com to purchase that it'll be your guide to help you understand how the race may unfold understand a lot about all the athletes so, so tell us a little bit about um, the rating report and whether you've done anything differently this year and just a quick overview on, on what people can expect it to find in there.
2: Well, the report turned out to be, I think, 128 pages is what the final product was like. Um, It's a look back at last year's race and how that unfolded. um, And who is in this year's race, how the qualifying went and what I expect the race day to develop like. And then a detailed look at each of the athletes, with their strengths, weaknesses, um, how fast I expect them to finish and, you know, basically how the race will unfold with the, the huge fields and the depth of the field that we have, both in the men's and women's races. And, um, yeah, basically what the dynamic of the race uh, is expected to be like. And so if you're watching the race and it unfolds in a completely different way, you'll at least know that someone has a really crappy day or a really good day. And that might make things even more interesting than what are already expected to be. Hmm.
1: So guys, make sure you get a copy of it and uh, make a donation when you're you're there. It's like buying a magazine, and uh, you know, Torsten, uh, you yeah, know, like us, we're not getting uh, rich off trying to share information with you guys. So any donations you can make would be awesome. Um, I was really keen to look at a few of the some of the contenders that perhaps from the English speaking world we don't know as much about as perhaps we should do, um, because they tend to you know do do Euro races and. Um, um, just don't get as much media coverage as, as I think perhaps they should. So one that ranks very high on your ratings is uh, Patrick Nilsson. So can you tell us a little bit about him and why he does rank so highly and <laughs> and whether or not he's actually done anything in Kona yet?
2: Well, he hasn't done anything in Kona yet. He, it's the first time he's going to race Kona, and he's going to be, as far as I know, the youngest uh, male pro racing in Kona. Ah. Um, Patrick, um, I think he qualified two years ago, uh, but decided to uh, not go there because he didn't feel he was up to Kona levels yet um, and decided to race his home race in Ironman Sweden, which he won. I think was the first male Swedish pro to win Ironman Sweden, so that was a big goal for him. And now he's turned his focus to doing well in Kona. Um, Last year, um, he was, I think, the only one who did two sub-8s last year in Copenhagen and in Barcelona. Uh, both fast courses, of course, but still uh, he was the only one to go sub-8 twice. And I guess mostly on the basis of these results and his Ironman Frankfurt result, um, where he was third or fourth, I think, with a, with a new run course record, um, that makes him one of the fast dudes from from uh, Europe to come over to Kona. question, of course, will be, uh, it's his first Kona race, uh, will he be able to transfer that speed um, to the Kona race? And we'll be able to deal with the tactics that we usually see develop in Kona. I mean, a race such as Ironman Sweden, which has a smaller, not quite as deep pro field, has a completely different dynamic than Kona with, I know, like 50 people who could, who could theoretically finish up on the podium or so. So mm-hmm. that'll be the, the challenge for him. But as I said, he's young. Uh, he's there to learn a lot about the race as much as possible and um, maybe have a good race a couple of years down road. At 26, he's got like 10 years of Kona racing ahead of him. So if he takes a year or two to learn the ropes and to figure out how he can factor uh, in the race and what he still needs to improve on, um, I think he'll be more than uh, willing to take a couple of years of apprenticeship and then have some great results in Kona in, in the future. So mm-hmm. not sure if he's going to do much this year or if he's going to be a factor this year but I certainly expect him to be um, up front after the swim and stay with the front bike group for quite some time. And then we'll see how smart he can race and if he can save his legs for the good runs that he usually has.
1: Mm. Another one um, that you'll know well is Nils Fromhold. So he... uh crashed out at challenge Rote when he was leading the race um, when he crashed into a one of the the athletes he was actually lapping so mm-hmm. um he's probably someone we are a bit more familiar with but maybe tell us some of um, some of his results and and <clears throat> how he's fared in Kona
2: well Niels, um he, he's always a bit up and down he's he has some injury issues uh once in a while I think he had uh broken his leg a couple of times um um, but but when he's on he's usually a very very good and very consistent racer um he's had uh injury issues last year which meant he wasn't able to race kona or qualify for kona Um, this year he's been back to racing really strong Uh, he was second at uh, ironman south africa to ben hoffman and he was pretty much in a, in a fight with him all day, and Ben just had the better run in the end. But Niels was, wasn't too far behind going sub-eight in South Africa. Um, that's a really great time. And he's got some Kona experience too. I think the first time he raced there he was sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly someone who knows um, Kona, who knows how to race Kona, the um, question will be how fit and how healthy he's going to be to deliver on his potential. He's struggled a bit over the summer, um, but I hope that um, that will be uh, a thing of the past and that he'll be in top shape in Kona.
3: Mm.
1: Now, another one of your Germans, because uh, well, that's your area of speciality. <laughs> I mean, the reality is there's was- what was there, four or five in the top ten last year? Um, <clears throat> and one of those was Boris Stein, who's one of the non-swimmers, um, should we say. Yeah. You know, last year he swam 54.10 compared to most of the top uh, guys coming out in around about 48 minutes. So, um, But then he rode a 4.23, which is uh, the same time as Sebastian Keenlay rode over there. So I guess he could be someone that potentially might either be in front or behind of, um, uh, goodness, can't even think of his name, Canadian dude uh, world ITU Lion champion. Lionel Sanders, yeah. Lionel Sanders. Yeah. I guess he might be in the same region as him, potentially out of the swim or possibly even behind. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us a bit more about him other than being a, an Uber cyclist.
2: <laughs> well, he actually isn't such an Uber cyclist per se. He's usually very balanced between uh, at least the bike and the run. As you said, he's got a bit of a weaker swim And I'm certain he's been working on that. But the three dudes you mentioned, uh, Sebi, uh, Lionel Sanders, and uh, Mm -hmm. Boris, they will be three of the interesting ones to watch uh, how far behind they'll be after the swim. Um, So four minutes for Sebi, uh, six minutes or so was the typical number for Boris the last couple of years. And then Lionel was a bit slower uh, the last years. Probably if he's improved a bit, then he could be somewhere between there somewhere in that area at least, and these three would make their way up to the to the front of the bike race and then um, join the front and maybe drag a couple of the slower swimmers with them. Um, Boris, yes, he's had the fastest bike split in Kona last year. Um, he had a decent uh, run, too. I mean, he improved his uh, best times in, in Kona by quite a bit, but it seemed that f- from the front group, he was the one who... Um, or maybe left a bit too much out on, on the bike to still be a major factor on the run there. Um, mm. He's got good bike run splits as well. Um, I think in France he ran in the low 240s um, to win the race there. So it's not like he's a slow runner or can't run at all. Um, very mm. solid, has been making improvements from year to year. And I mean, I think I have him seated 12th or so. Um, he would be uh, probably my, my fourth best German pick right now um He might uh work his way closer to the podium i 'm not sure if he can actually jump on the podium um yeah winning is is a different story again, but certainly one that has been improving year over year and um certainly one to watch this year as well and uh, yeah I, as i said uh, w- if he 's behind a bit on after the swim uh he 's probably the one that Lionel is looking towards to um be with uh with Boris so they can ride up to the front group. So um, a good one to watch in the overall results, but also one to watch uh, for the tactics and how the race might, un- might unfold this year.
1: Mm. Um, just a couple of other Germans. Um, Andy Boucher, um, I see on your report that he's uh, not racing. Any reason for that? Is he injured or what's his uh, deal? Because he had a great race there last year in fifth place.
2: Yeah, he was one of those that I had very far up there, but he did, uh, I think, 70.3 in Santa Rosa, um, was leading the race for quite some time, and then had issues with his uh, plantar uh, plantar, uh, Mm -hmm. tendon. Um, Not sure exactly what the diagnosis was, but he said it was a partial tear, and that doctor's orders were to rest the the leg uh, for it to not get worse. So he had he's a DNF you know, a DNS uh, he won't start Kona. Mm.
1: Now, obviously, Jan, Jan Frodeno is is the hot favourite. Um, what's his year been like? Because uh, do you know much about the inside story of him? Because you know we've seen him race Austria, and yes, he went sub uh, nine from uh, sub eight from memory, sub eight. but uh, but wasn't on fire. Is he what sort of a year has he had? Because he hasn't been doing many big races uh, you know previously he's done either Frankfurt or Rote and and obviously been very fast at both of those so what sort of you know what's his year been like
2: well I mean it's pretty similar to last year um, he's putting his focus on a good corner race and for him that means he's not racing much uh, he did his validation race in in Austria and won that um, I think he did a couple of shorter races uh, uh, earlier in the year but he's not racing that much, and it just shows how much of a focus he's putting uh, on Kona, and it's been a recipe that's been working for him uh, the last couple of years. He he knows how to race Ironman, he knows how to race Kona, um, so he doesn't need the racing experience to build up his confidence or to learn much about Ironman racing. Um, yeah, and if he's on fire or if he's having a good day, then it'll be very hard to beat him. I mean, he said he didn't have a good. Kona race per se yet, uh, mm. that's kind of scary to think mm. that uh, mm. even him winning the last two years, he didn't think he had good races there, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, he hasn't shown much. I mean, similar to to Sebi, Sebi has won Frankfurt in a good time, but that was a bit of a short race. Um, none of the big favorites have really shown their cards too much. Um, they've shown good, solid uh, races, races that uh, make clear that they are in contention for Kona. But most of the big names out there, um, Jan, Sebi, take Tim O'Donnell who won uh, um, uh, Boulder, uh, Ben Hoffman who won um, in, in South Africa, Brent McMahon who won in um, Lake Placid. Uh, most of these haven't really you know, had their big result for the year quite yet. And I think all of them are aiming for a good solid Kona race and to show their cards there.
4: Mm
1: um okay, onto to the the girls' side of things uh again a focus on some of the European athletes um Kaiser Sali, who finished very high up last year um you know what's what's her year been like and what are your sort of expectations around her
2: <coughs> yeah Kaiser was I think second to Daniela in South Africa early in the year um both both she and and Susie chigen were kind of um riding a bit away from, from Daniela when Daniela was still struggling with uh, back injuries. Um, then Daniela came, came good and rode up to them um, and ran away from them on the marathon. So solid race for, for Kaisa in, in South Africa. She's also pretty new to uh, Ironman racing. She's still learning a lot and um, she's getting better and better at um, putting out an even effort, um, a solid bike race uh, during the, the whole 180K. Uh, She's been struggling a bit with uh, overpacing a bit in the first half and then struggling towards the end, and same on the marathon. That's getting more and more even, and she's working with um, Siri Lindley now, and Siri certainly knows how to prepare someone for a good race in Kona and an even race in Kona and to maximize or to come up with a strategy that maximizes uh, the abilities that that Kaisa has. I don't think her uh, fifth base last year was... Uh, the upper end of where she can end up. Um, yeah, I mean, with with almost everyone else, you have to ask: Is she able to to challenge Daniela? But other than that, there's a pretty tight group uh, behind Daniela, mm. and Kaiser certainly one of those.
1: Yeah, if you took, uh, I think I said this on last week's show. If you take Daniela out of the race, it's bloody hard to predict who's going to take it out.
2: Mm, absolutely. I mean, you have a group of um, easily five, six, seven, eight uh, ladies who could who could uh, aim for that spot after Daniela, or the top spot if Daniela runs into issues.
1: Now, one name that I put in, I think, in my picks as either a dark horse or a top three was Lucy Charles. So not a lot of people will be familiar with her. So tell us a little bit about her.
2: Yeah, Lucy's a very interesting athlete and also one that will be uh, focused or, or shown a lot. Uh, she's, she'll be getting a lot of camera time this year because she's a super fast swimmer. Um, she's one of those that will probably... Um, swim away from the rest of the field, maybe with uh, Lauren Brandon or someone like that, um, and come ahead of most of the favorites uh, out of the water. Um, Lucy is one uh, Ironman Lanzarote this year, certainly one that is a hard race and one also on Kelling Island. So very, very similar to what will be needed to race well in Kona, um, basically uh, putting the distance to the rest of the field on the swim, then even riding very strongly and having a solid run. Um, a run is still what um, she needs to improve on to be to be really competitive. Um, similar to Frankfurt, she was leading in T1 and T2, and then um, um, who rode by her? Um, Sarah Crowley was able to run by her uh, in Frankfurt. So Lucy was second in in Frankfurt with a solid run, an improving run for her, but she'll need a much better run than what she was able to do in the last uh, years to uh, be able to improve even further and be competitive in the corner field. I mean, top 10 is certainly in the cards for her, but, um, yeah, it's hard to see her finish on on the podium or so.
1: Mm. And the final one I got on the girls' side that um, she finished 8th place last year was Asa Lundström from Sweden. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you consider her to be a serious threat? You know, her swim, a a lot of the girls, their swim is significant, you know, pretty, you know, it's a sort of a Lionel Sanders type swim. You know, she swam 102 last year compared to the first girls coming out in 52 minutes. So even, you know, 10 minutes they're giving up on the swim. Um, tell us a little bit about her.
2: Yeah, also is also one that's similar to Boris, has been improving year over year over year. And she's been getting faster and faster and more even in her output too. Um the dynamics in the female race is completely different from the man's race. But in the man's race, you have this big front group and you have to make that front group to be in, in a position to uh, place. Well, the female race is much more, um, split up and everyone can ride uh, their own pace on the bike and then have a good run and still finish very high up, even if you're quite, quite a ways back from, from the front of race. And that's certainly the, the recipe that could work for OSA. Um, She's been biking better and better. Similar to Kaiser, she's been struggling a bit with um, her energy in the second part of the bike. Um, that's gotten much better, and last year was a really good race for her when uh, she moved up, I think, the year before she was 11th, then she was 8th uh, last year. And that's certainly where I expect her to end up uh, this year as well, maybe move into the top five if she's been improving her bike and run. And um, yeah, also one that hasn't raced too much this year quite yet, um, She's also uh, studying to become a medical doctor and has been Whoa. working on that for yeah. um, the first part of the year. And that's been her focus. And, but she thinks that the the mental break from racing and from, tri- from really focusing on triathlon will be a good thing for her for this year. And she's been gearing up to do well again in Kona. And yeah, if her prep has been going well and everything I heard from her sounds that way, um, she'll be one to watch um, Similar like like uh, Sarah Pierniannu, who she was in a dogfight with last year, um, to come behind uh, on the bike and on the run to move into the top ten, and let's see how far ahead they can get this year.
1: Fantastic. Um, so anybody anybody else that uh, in terms of from your picks, uh, who who sort of impressed you either this year or you think has got the sort of the potential to you know potentially break through into that top five.
2: Well, if we stick with the with the females, I mean, Susie Chisham has certainly been been stepping up her uh, results this year, Uh, third South Africa. Then she won Brazil. Um, And Susie's always been, uh, you know, you never quite know what to what to make of her times because she was a really, really strong runner. And she hasn't really shown that because she's been getting better and better on the bike and probably putting out a bit more energy on the bike Mm. Um, this year, the balance seems to be quite right. Uh, her swim has improved, her bike has improved, and her run is still as strong as ever. So mm. um, she could certainly be one that uh, could step it up into the, the top five this year. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many names, uh, either uh, on the men's or women's field. I mean, it's always uh, almost unfair not to mention someone. But um, yeah. yeah, Susie was one that, that stepped it up this year. Carrie uh, Lester won uh, France. Uh, Sarah Piampiano, who hasn't quite had the race in uh, cans that she wanted. Uh, Sarah Crowley, who's been winning uh, two regional championships this year. Uh, Laura Siddle, who's been just won her first Ironman and has so many seconds and fast times. Uh, Lindsey Corbin's bag racing fast. I mean, you could just go down the list, and almost every name you could have some some interesting um, fact that would point to them being able to finish in, in the top five. Yeah. Um, on the men's side, I mean, yeah, just two two more European names. Um, Tim Don with his time in Brazil is obviously one that will be getting a lot of attention this year, um, and it'll be interesting to see how much he can transfer the the time that he was able to post in Brazil to to the corner course and the different race dynamics there. And the other one is uh, Bart Arnouds, who won uh, Lanzarote this year and also Challenge Road, um, two big wins this year. One that's been solid in kona for a number of years uh, i think it was eight last year and also one that um maybe not going to m- quite make the front group on the or he will be in the bike group in the front bike group at first but then lose some more time and then um hopefully come through on the run um, one of the strongest runner that we currently have and he's also been getting more and more um focused on um kona and delivering a good result there with the uh, way he or what he was training for. I mean, he needs to have that better swim, a better bike, and a solid run as always to uh, move through the field and move into the top ten for sure. Maybe top five this year. It'll be interesting to see how large the bike group is going to be. Mm, and then one more name I I want to throw in is Cameron Worf. Um Not because mm-hmm. I expect him to finish up in the top ten or so, but uh, he could make the thing uh, the race interesting. Um, on the bike uh, he's a good swimmer he's a fantastic biker and he could be one that really pushes the pace on the bike ride this year and um, yeah the technical tactical implications will be interesting uh, to see uh, if Sebi will try to ride with him and ride away from Frodo and uh, then that'll force Frodo to pick up the pace too so if um, yeah if, if we see a bit different race dynamics from last year where we had one big front group that just got smaller and smaller this year, Cam might be one that just rides off the front and create a different dynamic and uh, make the bike ride very interesting this year.
1: Yeah, it just seems like we're getting some real uber cyclists starting to come through. I don't know if, that's, uh, if it has been the case. I mean, we've always had guys like Michael Weiss and Keenley and, and so on, but it just seems like there's a, a few more guys um, that are prepared to just lay it all down on the bike.
2: Well, yeah, I think the, the dynamics uh, are, are shifting again a little bit. We've had this, t- this uh, period with the Uber bikers when uh, 2005, 6, 7, when, when uh, Norman Stadler was winning the race. And he, he was one of those that showed you could actually win the race uh, by doing really well on the bike. Um, then I think the, the tide shifted a bit towards those that, you know, just ride with the bunch uh, for as long as possible on the bike and then come through on the run. And maybe that is uh, shifting a bit, again, towards um, people putting out more of an effort on the bike and then weakening the legs of the, of the super runners a little bit more. Um, yeah, we'll see how that, that turns out.
1: <laughs> then you always have the thing that uh, Jan Frodeno is good at all three, so you've got to try to figure, figure that one out. Um, <laughs> yeah,
2: and, and I think that's uh, also the, the interesting thing is if, you, if you're a Sebastian Kiener, obviously you're not thinking of another podium spot, so he has to think, how can I beat Jan? And what's the strategy I need to employ for that? Mm. Uh, Others can afford to be a bit more conservative or a bit more adventurous uh, either way and uh, come up with a different tactic. So lots of implications there.
1: Mm. So in terms of your racing and training these days, you know, I read out an email the other day to give you some marathon advice from back in 2007. Um, People are probably (laughs) interested to know if you're still active yourself.
2: Well, I've got a streak of one marathon a year going for quite some time now, I think since 2002, and I obviously want to continue with that. Um, Long-distance triathlon, uh, certainly fascinating and certainly something I want to do uh, in in the future again, but currently uh, I don't have enough time to, or I don't make enough priority. What was the saying you you always said? I don't make priorities for my training there. Exactly. as much as i need to for uh, a decent uh, ironman finish i mean i ride my bike i run a lot i take up some swimming but it's not on a competitive level and i'm never going to be at a level that would allow me to contend for kona qualifying or something so just keeping fit and healthy and that's enough for me right now
1: fantastic
2: so guys live for all my pro friends (laughs) so
1: um guys if you want to get a hold of the try try rating the kona report go to tryrating.com. it is a great resource um it's going to be really interesting to catch up with torsten post race uh to you know see how the race actually unfolded from his eyes in terms of what he expected and actually being there and, and appreciating what it's all about so um yeah stoked that you're going to be over there and uh and have fun
2: Oh yeah, um, that's the main thing. Have fun, enjoy the sun, enjoy the, enjoy the nice weather out here and watch the race and hopefully meet a number of interesting people and watch an, an interesting race happening.
1: Righto guys, uh, first on the block for my pre-Kona interviews, which I am doing a week before these are going to be released, and one of those people that's actually already over there is Joe Coom from Australia, so welcome onto the show, Joe.
5: Thanks John, good to be on the show.
1: Now tell us a, uh, a little bit about yourself, you know, where, where are you from, what's your sort of, uh, your, your set up back home, whether you got family, whether you got a job, because people always love to hear from age groupers and, and how they can sort of relate to them, so tell us tell us your deal.
5: Yeah. Okay, um, I live in Melbourne, I'm from North Wales in the UK originally, um, ex-rugby playing girl. Okay. Um, I've got a husband who also races Ironman and would desperately love to race on the big island, but hasn't quite got there yet, so we're waiting for a legacy spot for him, probably. Um, I am actually a vet um, by trade, Ah. um, but I did change my career um, about 10 years ago, honestly, um, sort of partly because of the triathlon side of things, because I was a cow vet, which... um, isn't particularly conducive to training for Ironman um, so I'm now actually a lecturer at the University of Melbourne and I do um, research as well so it's all a little bit more flexible um, so I sort of teach part-time, do some research part-time and and um, do some consulting for Dairy Australia as well.
1: Nice, now you, you, you must have moved to Australia some time ago because you don't have too much of a, uh, a Welsh accent going on there.
5: Yeah that's yeah, that's what they think back home. Anyway, um, uh, 2001 we moved over. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then sort of took up the sport in about 2005, and uh, got bitten by the bug as you all, as we all do.
1: Now you're obviously so we're recording this nearly nearly two weeks before race day, and you're over in Kona, So is it your first time over there, and um, and why did you arrive so early? Uh,
5: it's see my third I'm calling it the three Pete because yeah. uh, I'm very very privileged to be going around for the third time um, I guess I'm over this it's actually not as early as I, as I came over last time which was in 2015 um, um, just because I had a few more things on with work and stuff like that but the it the reason I come over earlier is because the first year we um, had flights cancelled and things like mm-hmm. that, spent the night in Auckland, mm-hmm. which isn't exactly the greatest uh, acclimatisation, and got here with like six days to spare, and I really, really struggled with the heat on that, that year. So uh, from then on, I said if I ever got back here, I'd make sure I managed to get over early enough to get some acclimatisation in, basically
1: nice and what's your path been to get to Kona in terms of qualifying and are you just on the cusp or I know for you know for a lot of females there's often only one or two spots so it's uh it's always a bit of a lottery but you know what's your path been to yeah. get here and how easy was it
5: yeah so so I'm not I don't see myself as a top level age grouper um I I qualified this time in New Zealand uh, this year um, where, as you know, the conditions were pretty, pretty rubbish.
1: Yeah.
5: Um, so, and I'm a pretty strong swimmer, so I got out of the water with a big, big lead on Serena Hammond, who's an amazing Kiwi athlete. She ended up winning our age group, um, but it meant that I held off the um, Jody, who who came in third, um, and yeah, snuck the spot. There were two spots actually in my age group because I'm 40 to 44. Um, But other qualifiers, yeah, it was like Ironman France because I can descend pretty well and Ironman Malaysia because I can just hang there in the heat, I think, longer than than other people. So I'm not particularly fast, let's say, but, um, but I seem to be able to do all right in adverse conditions.
1: And um, what, you know, one of the things you mentioned there about what you've learnt from Kona was uh, arriving a bit earlier, but what else have you, you learnt about the, the course over the couple of times that you've been there in terms of uh, you know, maybe what surprised you first time around and, uh, and whether you've got any really monumental cock-ups that you made?
5: Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess the, the, the two things that stand out from my first Kona... Um, One was that, you know, the pros all talk about um, the energy lab and how hot it is in the energy lab when you're running down there. Um, I hadn't run the energy lab until race day because I didn't really have the time. Um, But, of course, down the field, us age groupers get there when it's actually the sun's beginning to go lower and you actually get this breeze off the ocean. So I think for me, the biggest surprise was that, you know, the hottest part of the run for me was definitely on alley drive um and also like the last 30 40k of the bike was just insanely hot um and the run down in in, into and out of the energy lab was actually my favorite part of the whole race so yeah i guess that was a a surprise um and it's terms of challenges i guess because i I would still say the bike is my weakest leg Mm. so it's like just trying to hang in there from waikoloa for the last 40k of the bike is just that's the biggest for me the biggest mental challenge of the whole the whole race um and um yeah just i don't know just be pacing the whole day um i think kona i've raced much much hotter races than kona like malaysia where it was just yeah. like a furnace the whole day um but i think kona whereas Malaysia's like insane from the get-go Kona wears you down slowly so you're not you you know it comes on the heat and the effects of the heat come on more slowly and I think people underestimate that if they haven't been out here before and they get halfway through the bike and you know they go wow now I'm really beginning to feel it.
1: The Queen K drag back to to Kona is uh it's (laughs) it's a drag um so if people are listening to this and it's your first time over there it's um it's 50 k's of, of hard work, and have you, have you, you know, you're obviously out there early and you've been there a few times, but have you experienced some, uh, some pretty awesome winds in terms of any of your rides this time around?
5: Uh, no, it's been really still. So everybody that's here on the island um, that rode Saturday, Sunday, um, said it's like, there's people that are here that have been here, you know, 10 times and stuff like that. They're saying it's the best conditions they've ever ridden in up to Harvey. Um, virtually no cross, crosswinds Saturday or Sunday this weekend. So, yeah, I would warn anyone who's here for the first time who's riding out there at the moment that that's, that's not necessarily what we're going to get on race day. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, other years I've done training rides where I've actually, and I, I mean, I, yeah, I'm confident in wind, I'm confident descending, but I've actually got up to Harvey and thought, I don't know if it's actually safe to ride down yet. You know, because the winds have just been crazy. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm aware that I think I've had a couple of relatively okay years. Yeah, yeah. I did 2000, 2011 and 2015, um, and both of them, you know, we had wind, but um, it wasn't crazy crosswinds like you can get. So um yeah we'll see what what this year's got in store for us
1: cool and so expectations and goals for the day what are you what are you what's going to be a good looking day for you
5: um i want to put a, all three a, you know good all three legs together um first year i had a shocking run um last time i didn't really train the bike as hard as i would like to because i wanted to do a good run um so i'd just like to put the whole package together um and, yeah, get out the water, um, you know, up the, up the top of my age group if I could because that's, that's sort of my strongest leg um, at the moment. So, I don't know. I did 11.44 in 2015. I'd like to think if I put the three legs together well that I could go close to 11.30. Um, but we'll see. Um, the, the women's – the age group women, now that we're 15 minutes after the age group men – I like the fact that that reduces the drafting because I hate drafting. But what it means is if the wind keeps picking up, we just, you know, I mean, 2015, it was just horrific by the time we were coming back in on the Queen K. So, yeah, I'm fully um, realistic about those kind of aspects. And, uh, yeah, you just, you know, with Kona, it's just let's see what you get on the day. And if you know that you've given it everything you've got, then you've got to finish happy, really.
1: Exactly. Cool. So, uh, any any plugs? Like, anybody helped you get there or anything like that?
5: Yeah, thanks. Um, so, obviously, my coach, um, Xavier Kopok from Team Tri Coaching, he's really, really looked after me in terms of my health for the last few years. And, I, I mean, I've got to this race feeling, you know, just super strong, healthy and, and happy, you know. So, that's the big thing in, for longevity in this sport, and he knows that. So, um, yeah, really thankful to him. And also Hammer Nutrition have looked after me since day dot. Um, and, uh, and, you know, they're, they're really, really awesome. And, you know, to date, touch wood. Zero issues with nutrition on any Ironman race, so uh, so yeah, I've got to thank them as well, and my my long 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 serving and patient husband who is currently paying for me to be over here. Really, nice, um, Peter. So yeah, and one day um, he will be here, and uh, and I'll be the the supporter, or God willing, I'll be actually racing with him.
1: Fantastic. I know you've given us some good tips there. I really appreciate your time and uh, go out there and kick some butt uh, the weekend after next.
5: Yeah, thanks, John. And I, look, I've been following the show since I was a vet and I had, didn't huh. have the time to be training. So I just used to drive around the countryside listening to you guys. So um, thanks for all the inspiration over the years. Fantastic.
1: Okay guys, um, we hear from all sorts of athletes when we um, do Kona interviews, you know, some are super speedy, we get the the top guns after the race, and um, we also want to hear about the other athletes that you guys might be able to relate to a little bit better, so one of those is Nikki Rose, another Australian on the show today, um, and she's heading over to Kona on a legacy slot, so uh, welcome to the show Nikki. Thank you. You're right, you've got an interesting gig there that I think we're going to find out about. You've got six kids, so maybe tell us about your, um, your life setup and how you managed to make Iron Man fit into
4: life. Um, probably sounds a little bit busier than what it is now. Um, yeah. I've got three at home now, but when I started, I had four at home. Um, so it was pretty busy. I started when my fourth baby was only twelve months old, yeah so um yeah, we did like my husband's pretty supportive, obviously because yeah. he has to have the kids quite a bit, um, but lots of early mornings for me, like um when I'm in the big um, weeks of training for Kona, I'm up at four just to get the sessions in, yeah, um, yeah but it's it's just time management, really. Yeah.
1: And what was the impetus to get into it when you've uh, when you already have a few kids to look after? You know, what what motivated you to get into this? And was was it straight into Ironman, or did you sort of go through the the pathway of doing all the um, the shorter races?
4: Um, uh, after my fourth baby, I wanted to lose weight. I'd never ran or ridden a bike, um, never been athletic at all. So um, started running. And my stepdad used to ride bikes in his younger years. And he um, rode with me while I rode my hybrid um, and did my first duathlon that season, which was a 3K run, 13K bike and 3K run. And I thought Mm -hmm. I was dying on doing that one. Yeah. Um, And... I progressed that season and we went over to near Adelaide. There was a half Ironman there. I'd progressed to um, smaller tries and we went over there and I was lucky enough that was when you had to qualify to get a slot to Ironman. And because it was a little old um, half over there that I don't think many people knew about, I ended up getting a slot. Um, So it was really by chance that I ended up. Um, getting a slot to uh, half. We'd, we'd actually gone up and watched the last um, Foster. Um, we had a family friend up there. She was the oldest female to race that year um, and that scared the Bee Gees out of me, watching all those people in the water. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I come away from that and said, no way would I ever be able to do that. Um, and got the slot and scared the hell out of me but did my first Port Macquarie the following year. So that was in Oh crikey, 2006. All right.
1: So for for so, people elsewhere, where in the world? Um, what Nikki's talking about there is in Australia. You used to have to qualify just to do an Ironman, which I don't know if it's such a bad thing necessarily. Um, but oh, uh, I thought uh,
4: it was good. Like yeah. yeah, it made things a little bit more competitive. That's for sure. Absolutely. And you picked your rate. Right, you were a little bit smarter with you, how you picked your races too.
1: Yeah. So what's it what's the journey like being to get to this legacy situation? Yeah, you know, I think is it it's either ten or twelve Ironmans you've got to do. So have you been sort of clicking off um one a year or have you had some years where you've done done a couple? How have you sort of made it get to that uh, elusive number and and how long a wait has it been for you to actually get that legacy slot?
4: Um there's been a couple of years. Usually I do one a year. There's been um I think one or two years where I missed because I had a baby. Yeah. Um, um, but I've done two, I think twice, I've done Busselton and Port Macquarie and I've done, I think it was New Zealand and Port Macquarie. That was, um, there was only six weeks between those two. That was a hard year. Yeah. Um, but pretty much ticked one off a year. Um, with I also did Melbourne Cairns as well when Melbourne was still running. Yeah. Um, just tick them off because you've got to do you've got to do twelve, but you've got to have one the year before the year of your twelfth and uh, booked in for the following year. So really, they get three. Mm. Um, and I applied last year when I ticked over my twelves mm. and I was booked in, and they said, "Well, you missed out this year, but you're guaranteed a spot next year." So I ended up having to do another. I think it's another. T- like one on top of that so I've ended up doing fourteen, fifteen to get to this legacy spot
1: and um what in terms of where in the field you finish you know what what sort of times <laughs> are you roughly pumping out
4: um my best time's been and nice. my work my worst time's been I think 15 and a half so mm-hmm. I range usually I'm around the 13 13 and a half mark that's my usual time so I'm back at the packer um Get my money's worth <laughs> out of the day—that's for sure. So yeah, no, um, and it's all relative to what you can train for with the kids and stuff. So I'm happy with that. I um I enjoy the day.
1: How much training are you able to get in a week? With you know looking after that many kids, um, what what does a sort of week look like for you?
4: Um, Mondays are usually my rest day, and then I swim, and I, I also instruct. Um, fitness classes so I incorporate that so I do spin class Tuesday morning and then I have a swim session between work and then um, Wednesdays are usually either a bike or a long uh, run and Thursdays um, swim again Friday is Friday, Saturday, Sunday usually my big sessions because my husband can work afternoon shifts. So I can get in, you know, your 120k bike and then your long run and your brick session within those three days. So it's just um, fitting it around, especially if kids have got swimming lessons and stuff.
1: And, and you live have. out in the in the sticks, out in the country. So is training yeah. pretty much all by yourself?
4: Yeah, I'm very lucky. We've moved here four years ago. Um, my swimming's all by myself. I don't. Um, I can't get to any squads. It's just too hard because um, the pool's half an hour away. Uh, but I've got I've met some really good fellas here that ride bikes. Yeah. So, And they usually, they sigh when they know it's in the big weeks of the bike, because <laughs> I'm like, all right, guys, I need to do a five-, six-hour bike. Who's coming? And they're like, well, we can come for the first bit, and someone else can come for the last bit. And um, So my bike riding's done with a good group of guys. Yeah. Um, but my running's on my own. Yeah, so... That's just, um, especially with being a mum, uh, like a parent, you've just got to catch the time when you can. Yeah. So, and fitting it in, sometimes you've got to juggle it with kids' activities and husband's shifts.
1: It must, be, so, um, it must be nice having a nice supportive group of uh, cyclists that are prepared to fit in with your schedule.
4: Yeah, no, I've been very lucky. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, no, they're, they're a good group and they're a lot stronger than me. So they've actually um, pulled me along quite a bit this season. So I've been very lucky.
1: And, and what are your hopes and expectations uh, around Kona and um, and what you want to get out of the day and, and the whole experience?
4: Well, if you'd asked me that three weeks ago, I would have liked to have had um, – you know very solid ride um about three weeks ago i was struggling through my sessions and couldn't finish my runs like you know you'd have to do a 24k run and i'd be at 17ks and i'd be walking thinking oh my goodness i am really going backwards here and um went to the doctor and it turns out that i had kidney stones
1: oh goodness
4: so in the last week i've had two operations <laughs> and um just got signed off um, last – when did I have the uh, – last Thursday, got signed off by the Surgeon Thursday saying that you can travel and fly and you can race. Uh. So now I'm just happy to be on, getting on that plane today yeah. and happy to get out there and experience it. I'm, I've got no expectations now. Yeah. I haven't been able to do any sort of training in the last 10 days. Yeah. So it's – um. I've just got to get my head around it. So I, I, I've got the base. I've done all the hard work. It's just, you know, when you miss sessions and you think, oh, you know. But, um, yeah, so not expecting much, just to enjoy it and think I'm lucky getting there.
1: And have you had much advice from um, other people that have been over there before in terms of what to expect and in terms of the wind and all that sort of stuff or are you, are you going in blind?
4: I've had um, quite a few people give you advice. Um, a lot of like a lot about the wind and the heat. Yeah. Just a lot of it, and how I'll be out on my own in the lava fields, and I've just got to get home.
6: <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and I was like, oh,
4: okay. Great. <laughs> um, yeah. No. So I'm just. I, I, I guess been the first time you really can't um, take it on board to experience it. So. <gasps> I know it's going to be a hard day.
1: And who are you taking over there with you?
4: I'm taking my husband and three of the kids that are home. So I've got a 15-year-old, 6-year-old and 4-year-old that are coming over, all girls, and my eldest boy who's 24, he's in America at the moment travelling with his partner and they're actually flying back through um, and staying with us to watch the race. So um, my son's pretty excited because he's obviously grown up with a fair – bit of coming to all the Ironmans but his girlfriend's a complete um, novice so she's starting with the best at the start so she'll think anything after this is going to be a bit dull I think.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. I oh, know. We love the legacy stories, and uh, it sounds yeah. like you've worked bloody hard to get there. So well done. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've got a few, you know, it's been a few, but, but a few challenges over the last little period, but it sounds like you're, yep. uh, you know, you've got the base there. And if you pace your day, you'll be absolutely fine. So yep. go over there and kick some butt.
4: Yeah. No, thank you. And thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure.
1: Okay. Sponsor athlinks.com.
0: Results in your pocket, John. They have. So is they that, end- is that, is that, are they results in your pocket, or are you just happy <laughs> to see me? <laughs>
1: Uh, the Athlinks app is out now. You, uh, you'll have your Athlinks profile in your pocket and can quickly claim past results, compare oh, stats great. with and rivals, and plan your next event all on the go. So download the Athlinks app. Just go to athlinks.com, and there's links on there to download that. I'm sure you can find it on the in the, the stores as well, in the um, Apple Store and so on. So uh, it's a free app, so you just get on there, download it, save yourself getting online when you're at home. If you're a member or if you're listening to this right now when you're on the road, you can just claim your results straight away. Nice and easy.
0: Really, really simplifying now that they've gone to this level, doesn't it? Like if you're at a race or, you know, you just work a few days after your race, you quickly go to the app, boom, 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 you're done, and it's just there. And, if
1: you're out, you know, if you're out having a chat with someone, if you're in Kona this week having a chat with people, you just pull out your profile. If you've finished talking with them, pull out your app, and you can find them on Athlinks and just suss them out and uh, see if yeah. they're the real deal. But if they're in Kona, they probably are. Um, so, yeah, check it out, Athlinks.com.
0: Okay, guys, Athletes.com, go to the, now, is it both app stores, do you know, John? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, so you're either on the Google Play Store or on the Apple iTunes Store, or sorry, the App Store, um, you go there, download the app, and if you haven't joined up already, you can do it, probably do it through the app as well, and you'll find all your results, and it's a really good way just to keep track of what you're doing in your athletic world. There you go, athletics.com.
1: Okay, I've had a couple of Australians on the show already today, but um, next up we've we've got an American, so uh, go you good things, you Americans, and we've got uh, Rory Duckworth, who's got nominated in here by Barbara Nelson, Scott Woolsey, um, Dave Haywood, and Katie Tomala, so uh, you've got a bit of a fan club there, uh, Rory, mm-hmm. so you've got, uh, how's your day going, and um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
6: Oh, thanks, yeah. So, um, my days to going great, woke up and uh just hanging out with the daughter and getting some work done and you know, just doing the the day to day thing.
1: So tell us about um getting to Kona. You know, it's your it's your first time. What's the what's your pathway been to, to getting there and how long has this taken?
6: Oh, good question. Um, okay, so where do I begin? It's been a long, long journey. Um So I started triathlon back in about 2009 and I did my first, uh, triathlon on a mountain bike, you know, and got, got helped along the way and literally probably, you know, finished last, last place. (laughs) And I got done and I was like, this is awesome. You know, and the, the crowd, the people there were just so nice and everything like that. So I, uh, I, uh, and I'm making this story a little short so we don't bore your, your viewers. But, yeah. um, I, you know, trained all winter long cause it was at the end of the season. I trained all winter long and I decided to, you know, do more races the next year. And I did, you know, a race every weekend, a sprint or Olympic every weekend and kind of built my way up to finally doing a half. And my first half, it, I had a, I had some bike issues, so I didn't finish it. And. Um, In the meantime, my brother was doing Ironman St. George and I went down there and I volunteered and I was part of the tri club down there um, because we didn't we didn't have a tri club active up up where I was. And um, it was awesome, you know, to 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 feel the energy of Ironman and to see the people finish. And, you know, I just thought, like, I'm going to do this. Like I was set after watching that event that I was for sure the next year going to sign up for Ironman Arizona I, I probably went home that next week and I signed up. I got permission from my wife and I was like, I'm doing this. Yeah. And I told my brother and a few others, and they thought I was crazy because I was, you know, still way overweight um, in my mind and out of shape and all that. But I was determined to to finish this Ironman. So in the meantime, I had watched, you know, the the uh, NBC version of Kona. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really motivating. All the stories. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how hard the qualification was. I didn't even think at the time I knew you had to qualify. I thought you could probably just sign up for it. Yeah. So I thought, oh, man, one day I'm going to do that race. So I do Ironman St. George. In the meantime, I lose a ton of weight. You know, I learn a lot about myself, you know, physically and mentally. And, um, you know, I, I try to encourage other people along the way to, you know, be healthy and stuff like that. Uh, We started, we started the Salt Lake triathlon club um, to give back to the community. And I finished my, my first Ironman, Ironman St. George. And it was, it was an awesome experience. And, you know, I, every, I I went back and I I think I finished like 33rd in my age group. Not that that was Mm -hmm. even my goal, but I just wanted to see, you know, where, where did I stand against everyone else? And um, I was like, you know, I could do better than that. I, I think I could do better than that. You start analyzing what you could do and what you could have done better and so forth. So of course I signed up for Ironman St. George for the next year and Mm
3: -hmm.
6: I trained my butt off. And this time I'm in a lot better shape. I, you know, get smarter about my training and so forth. And, um, I think that one I finished and at that time too, now my goal was like Kona, right? Mm -hmm. And you look at the, you look at the times and, and in the back of the head, you know, in the back of my head, then I was just like, there's just no way with the shape and the numbers I'm producing that I could qualify for Kona. So I always had it a goal, but I knew that I wasn't physically or mentally ready for that commitment. Mm. And so I can't remember exactly what place I finished that year. Um, it was a really hard year and the wind was crazy and I, I had a, a, just an amazing race, but I was probably like 15th or 12th or something like that. So Mm -hmm. still really happy. And at that time there was probably six spots in my age group and, I would always go down to the, I would always go to the roll down and the banquet because of the energy of seeing these people, you know, get their qualifying spot. And it was just, and at that point, I don't think I really understood like how cool it was, you know, it was a goal, but I didn't, I didn't really, it wasn't my passion then, but seeing the energy, um, from these people was just amazing, you know, and I didn't realize it until now when I was in the situation, you know why they were so excited is because they had you know just qualified for the biggest race of their life and It was you know their dream to get there. So I decided to make it my dream. I continued to do Ironman's um, and then finally on the 11th Ironman, which was Ironman Boulder. Well, let let me take it back here. Yeah Um, I did Ironman Tahoe and I, I can't remember the year. It was the last year they did Ironman Tahoe. I did Ironman Tahoe every year. They had it. Yeah. And this Ironman didn't, Iron you Man didn't Tahoe...
1: get frostbite the year when it was uh, when it was snowing when you were in the swim or anything.
6: <laughs> no, I um, I did it that year and I had zero issues. Um, <laughs> it was just really cold, but uh, I finished and I had some Achilles issues, so I wasn't able to to compete there. The next year it it had a fire and yeah. I I still. I still did a full Ironman that day, even though the race was canceled. And so I am the unofficial Ironman Tahoe (laughs) 2015 winner. Um, But, you know, Ironman made a smart choice by canceling it that year. The smoke was bad and and definitely um, applaud them for canceling it. But I had showed up that day to compete, so I wanted to – to do my best. And I had to, I had actually a really good race by myself. There's seven or nine, <laughs> <Nice. of us. laughs> there are seven or nine of us out there. And, and actually based off of that time that I did it, I would have probably qualified that year, but oh, you know, wow. things happen, things happen. It didn't work. And, um, you move on. So I started to train for the next one and I did Tahoe and a few others. The next year Well, Tahoe the next year I came in sixth place. My, I came off the bike in second overall. I I led the race for a few minutes and then slowly got passed by other stronger runners and In my age group first second third and fourth were all overall first second third and fourth And then fifth was like eighth or ninth I can't remember and then I was I was sixth in my age group and there were five spots there Uh. And I think I was tenth overall so I had a very respectable race Um, but there were only six spots. And so when you go to roll down, you know, like I do every time you, you have to go just in case, but again, it's just the energy and, you know, they get to that fifth spot and no one, you know, everyone, wanted their spots, you know, they, they, uh, all deserved it. They were all better racers than me. And it was, you know, it was heartbreaking to get that close. And, you know, this was my, what, eighth, Eighth Ironman or ninth Ironman now, and I mm. had had this dream forever to to go, and so it just didn't happen for me that year, and it was uh, it was really heartbreaking. So I um, let's see what a uh, what race did I do after that? Um, I ended up the next year going um, to Kona. So this was last year. I had some athletes competing <clears throat> there, and I decided to go. I before that kind of made it I thought I never wanted to go to Kona during the race because I wanted to go when I actually qualified Mm -hmm. well that never happened so I decided to actually go see the energy for myself watch my athletes and that really motivated me Um, I was able to you know sit at the finish line and go and swim in the water and participate as much as I could being a non-athlete and you know I felt like I really needed to to finish this this goal of mine and this dream of mine so I just committed you know I committed everything this last year and I didn't necessarily train longer but I trained smarter and I just really really tried to research as much as I could to figure out how to get myself and complete my goal. So, um, June twelfth, Boulder um, Ironman. I was able to finally qualify after a tough race, and it was awesome. It was it was a really good experience to have them say your name.
1: So, what was it that sort of made the, the final difference? Did you race any better in Boulder, or was it similar to your other races, or what Actually, sort of made the the difference?
6: That's a great question. So. I actually, the year before I did Ironman Whistler and I had a better race there. Mm. Um, I think that was actually my best race, even though Boulder was my PR. Um, Ironman Whistler was actually my, I think my best Ironman ever. What changed it and what I think made the biggest difference. And I hate to use this, but I just got really lucky, you know? Mm. Um, and when I say that I got six in my age group and, um, again, I had a very decent race, top 20 overall, uh, nine forty something in time, but I knew a nine thirty was, you know, what I need to aim for. And that's what I was, I was aiming for. It didn't, it didn't work that way. Um, but first, first place luckily didn't want to go. He had been multiple times in his extremely strong Kona athlete. Uh, second place already had a spot and third place just never showed up. Um, the joke is, is that someone killed them for me, which, <laughs> which I hope is not the case, but, um, that's kind of the, the running joke. And so I literally, we had three, three spots in my group and I got, I got the third spot cause I was sixth place and I showed up to the ceremony thinking that there is no way that I was getting a Kona spot. I just, it just shocked me. So when they called my name, I was in absolute disbelief that I, finally had got my Kona spot.
1: So you, you've been over to Kona, as you said, um, and you experienced it last year. What, what, are, you, what, is, what are you looking forward to most um, come race day for you? Is it going to be, you know, sort of that, that honeymoon race where you're just going to enjoy it and lap it up and not necessarily get too stressed about the race? Or, or what are you looking forward to it most?
6: Great question. Well, so in the last three months, I've had kind of a crazy, crazy time in my life. Um, i had always, my, my master plan was to always have this be a honeymoon race and just finish. Right. Well, just finishing to me is still competing. Like I was going to still lay it out as smartly as possible, meaning don't die, but still finish feeling like, you know, you left it out there. Mm-hmm. And so that was always my goal, uh, on the first one, because I, I wanted to finish, check it off. And then any time after that, if I qualify, then I could lay it all out on the line and maybe be a little more risky. Um, so I had signed up for Ironman Wisconsin um, to try to qualify for 2018, so I could make that that you know that riskier Kona race and mm. see what I could actually do. So that was on my bucket list, which is was about five weeks out from from Kona. Um, but even before that, after. Uh, after Boulder on July 14th, I was diagnosed with a blood clot in my left calf Mm. and you know, mentally that really affected me. Mm. Sorry. So I was put on blood thinners, um, for six weeks and it wasn't necessarily physical, You know, like I was still able to do everything, but Mm. mentally it, it, it was really hard. And it's it's still really hard because we don't know why I got it. Mm. And, and so living with that is been really hard. Um, and then also, so I went on a, I went on a blood thinner for six weeks and blood thinners are awesome. They do their job great, but sometimes they do their job too well. And so the risk of the blood thinners, if you fall, or even if you just get a bruise, like you just hit a cabinet or something, mm. then you can literally bleed out and die because your body yeah. can't clot itself. Mm. And so I, um, had to train and ins- I didn't have to train inside. I decided to train inside for six weeks so that I wouldn't risk dying mm. and, um, which isn't a problem. I do most of my training inside. So that was the you dying, know, no is a, dying is a problem. Yeah. Dying is a problem. So (laughs) I figured I can do this. I like inside training anyways. It's focused and, and better. Um, but I got off the the medication, which was stressful in itself, hoping I, you know, my blood clot didn't grow or I got another one or so forth. And then I did Ironman Wisconsin and, and had just really bad luck and bad planning there and just had a, a horrible run just cause I got super sick. And so my, my master plan of qualifying for the next year didn't work out, which was fine. You know, I'm just healthy to, or happy to be alive and so forth. Um, and then the week after that, my, my, I needed, I, I took a week off and then we had a local race here and I decided to do a relay with my wife because I, I needed to get back into working out again for Kona. Yeah. And so um I did the bike portion and I crashed really I, I crashed really mm. bad on my bike. Mm. <laughs> so so I had the blood clot and now I've had the crash and I'm just like, you know, physically and mentally done. Um and so this race will be just to finish and really, enjoy you know, it. embrace it and enjoy it exactly. So again, I am gonna do my very best. Um that I have that day, but I'm going to make sure that I finish this thing regardless.
1: And I think I read on your Facebook profile, is your wife uh, coaching you?
6: Yeah. Yeah. How does does does. that
1: work? Is there a bit of anger in the relationship at times?
6: I would say a lot of disagreement. Anger (laughs) is probably the correct word, but um, no, you know, it's just like, it's easier to talk to her because um, we're both coaches and, You know she has her theories on things and I have mine and so it's just good to get an outside perspective of things you know and I don't she coaches me but then I also get advice from all of our other coaches just to you know get advice from people it's it's always good to to get advice from multiple sources just like when I had my blood clot you know I went to multiple doctors and and got advice and just kind of picked the treatment and the procedure that worked for me and what I thought was best yeah. And that's why it's nice to have my wife as a coach. Um, you know, she puts my plans in there and then we kind of discuss and talk about the and strategy. you just going and, and do what
1: you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty much. But <laughs> no,
6: no, she's, she's a great coach. Excellent.
1: Nice. Okay. Um, any shout-outs there for you? Have you got anybody, you know, supported you to get over there or, or – Or um, anything else you want to say about uh, the race coming up? Uh, This is going to be going out on race week. So uh, anything else you got?
6: Um, Well, you probably have more listeners that maybe haven't qualified for the race. And the thing I would tell them is, like, never quit. You know, it took me 11 times to finally, you know, accomplish my dream.
0: Mm, mm. And...
6: It could take you, you know, one Ironman. But the thing that I would suggest is just never quit. You know, at Ironman Boulder, there was multiple possibilities that I could have walked. I did not feel good on the run. And luckily, I had my coach there, my wife, and she just told me to keep going. And it's literally, the, you know, it's a matter of minutes can, can dictate whether you go to Kona or not. And that, that small moment of not quitting and this could be applied in you know anything in your life you know anything's possible i started out 80 pounds heavier than i am now and you know just kept at it and if you have the motivation and you have the desire to complete a goal then you will make it there so as far as kona I'm just excited to be there, but yeah. I think more so for the listeners: never quit, anything's possible, and uh, keep following your dreams.
1: Fantastic! Well, you enjoy swimming with the turtles, embrace that wind yeah. on the run, and uh, and enjoy being coming out of the energy lab, knowing you've got uh, 10k to go and suck it all up. So uh, yep. you can kick yep. some butt over there.
6: Thank you. Are you guys coming over or going we, to be there?
1: We'll be there next year. So you just you oh, just sweet. have to find that another qualifying race. It didn't go away way in <laughs> Wisconsin, so you know head mm. off. Uh, you could double up and go down to Florida or something like that, and uh, maybe we'll exactly. see you there next
6: year. Cool. That sounds great. Well, it was good talking to you, John.
1: All right, we've had loads of Australians on today's show, so it's good to get some uh, uh, some different areas of the world covered so we've got Greg Penner from uh, Canada and he is one of the few that have heard the Ironman talk from many years ago so uh, given the transient nature of our sport people come and go but Greg's obviously been around for a while so welcome along to the show Greg.
3: Uh, Thanks for having me John.
1: Tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, and I can see from your Skype ID, you've got a youngster sitting in front of you, Um, so tell us a little bit about where you're from, what your your family setup is, and um, job and things like that.
3: Sure, I live in Steinbeck, Manitoba, Canada, which is kind of the dead centre of Canada. Uh, It's a place where we have a lot of winter, um, maybe (laughs) six months of the year it is cold. Uh, We're a place that can be minus 30 Celsius uh, quite often in the winter. Um, So, of course, that makes it challenging. It's also pancake flat here. Um, So totally like zero mountains whatsoever. Um, So it makes training for an Ironman, of course, very much an indoor um, sport. Um, But yes, I have a son. He is seven, one son and uh, a wife, Tanya, who are joining me in Kona. and We're just so excited to get to go this year. Nice. Uh, and what was your, what's
1: your sort of path to, to qualifying been? Not just in terms of where you qualified, but how long a process has this been and what sort of sporting background do you have?
3: Yeah, as a kid, I grew up just loving to ride bikes. And so early on, I started to race uh, mountain bike. It's kind of right in the heyday of uh, cross-country mountain bike racing.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, the old you know, two-and-a-half-hour cross-country race. Um, so I did that in the '90s. Um, I'm 39 years old, by the way. Yeah. Racing as a 40 year old. Nice. Um, so yeah, very much in your your age group. And and I was as I was mountain bike racing. One of the years, one of the sponsors actually took us to Ironman Canada. This was '99, so a long time ago. Peter yeah. Reed won that year. Yeah. Um, and we actually worked the uh, the expo at a, a nutrition booth. Yeah, and uh, that that was my first exposure to Ironman, and it was just I remember just watching, just in awe, of course, as everyone does the race, and and then through the years, you know, I just would follow the NBC show or whoever had that, and really kind of got um, uh, enthralled with the sport. But at that point, never was a runner, never was a swimmer, um, but just kind of followed the sport, and and through the years. Um, eventually I stopped mountain bike racing. So I was about, you know, 25 years old, yeah. um, on a whim, switched to running, uh, took that up. That went quite well. And that's really where I got introduced to Ironman talk. If I yeah, can yeah. say that, you Iron can.
1: Talk. You won't, you, hopefully you won't get barred from, uh, from racing next weekend.
3: Yeah. I'll, I'll get a letter or something. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's, I was introduced to, I am talk, we'll call it, um, <laughs> just through podcasts and, uh. I'd listen to your show, and I'd listen to Bob Abbott and uh, competitor radio or whatever it was called. Yeah. Uh, on all my runs, I'd listen weekly, and so I really learned about the sport, um, and that just kind of, you know, wet my appetite to really, really want to do one one day. Um, but of course, when you have, you're a, a working man, you're a family man, you yeah. have a lot of things going on. Um, Iron Man's a pretty huge commitment. Um, so it wasn't until I was about 35 that we kind of felt, here's a window, let's do it yeah um so i had the running down i had the biking down so i had to jump in the pool and of course learning as a 35 year old is is challenging at times um not a lot of people to swim with here so it's been very much the learn off youtube go to the pool repeat type of thing and uh i tried uh, four years ago to qualify i missed it by one spot Uh, didn't really have a great day so i I knew I had it in me, but of course, again, it's, it's not the kind of thing that I felt we could do every year. Yeah, Waited four more years, and as I was about to turn 40, I just said, you know what, can this be the year I try? Yeah. And uh, happy to go to Ironman Canada and pull spot.
1: Nice. Where did you finish in your age group?
3: Well, I got very lucky. I, I ended up seventh, um, but it rolled to seventh, so there was four spots, and I took the final one and gladly took it. And um
1: in terms of your, you know, any tips you have for indoor training athletes, you know, you must be a bit of an expert. You know, what do you use? Um, you know, I'd imagine it's getting pretty fresh where you are now, but what what do you sort of use uh in terms of tools to to get the most out of yourself when you're indoor training and, and also to motivate yourself?
3: Sure, yeah. I use well, I just have a dumb trainer, um, mm-hmm. but I do have power um so then i I've, I've always kind of used trainer road the last couple of years to give them a plug mm. um f- found their product is really good because i I like staring at numbers I find that that can uh really just help me and then you know i I find you know as many people do indoor training so efficient mm. um, I can get up at five I have everything ready to go. I go downstairs and i I let her rip for hours before I have to go to work so um yeah, you know, I don't find I struggle with motivation at all to be indoors anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, between music, between podcasts, between Netflix, if you need that kind of thing, or just staring into space, um, I find it's good. You know, preparing for Hawaii, of course. Yeah, like you mentioned, it's very fresh. Uh, mm. You know, we're we've hit below zero already this year, and <sighs> and uh, yeah. you do what you can. I I've been downstairs and I just turn off the fan and just you know make a puddle of sweat below and yeah and um but as far as bang for the buck yeah you can't be can't beat it
1: and so what are your sort of hopes and, and expectations around Kona? you know if i've asked the same question to you know some of the other athletes that first time there is it going to be that you know just go around the course and, and do as best you can but but try to enjoy the experience or or are you you know in good shape to to race as well as you did when you qualified
3: Yeah, two goals, really. My first goal is to just appreciate the moment. Um, You know, I know I've been involved with endurance sport a long time already, and I know that moments are here and then they're gone. PBs come and then they might never be reached again. Um, So I really do want to soak in the environment. Um, I've been to many big races and through running and through cycling, so I kind of know what that's like. So um, it's not so much uh, that I have to, you know, Set a personal best. I just want to remember it, if that makes sense. Mm, um, mm. Just when I when I look 10 years back ago, I did that race. Yeah. Um, just because it's been in my mind for so long. It's really the reason, I mean, I dare say that I'm in triathlon. It's just, it's yeah. pulled me in. Uh, it is the race I've wanted to do. Uh, everything else that I've done is just kind of part of it. I love it. But this is the race that, that uh, when I fall asleep at night that I dream of. Mm. Um and that, but that being said, I my training has gone really well since uh, Whistler, so I know I'm in much better shape um, just from time, volume, the numbers, so um, i got to factor in the heat and the environment, but I think I'm ready to go.
1: Fantastic. So how do you <clears throat> mentally and physically deal being a, a weaker swimmer um, and having to deal with the congestion on the bike? So Kona's going to be taking it to a whole nother level uh, as you'll find out in the a week and a half's time but um how have you found, coped in, in other races in terms of being down out of a swim and having to just deal with the traffic are you strong enough on the bike that you tend to just ride straight through and in kona it's going to be slightly different where you know riding straight through the field is not quite as straightforward when uh, there's a lot more similar level athletes
3: yeah i have thought about that a lot Um of course yeah you race something like whistler and you do get that slingshot effect because, I mean, I'm blazing by them. Mm-hmm, mm. um, it's I mean, it's like a standstill at times, what it feels like. And and you often wonder, like, am I going too hard? Yeah. But uh, you look at your numbers and, and and you're fine. And I do know, like, I've raced uh, the 70.3 Worlds a few years ago in Tremblant. Yeah. And that was such a draft fest. Um, and I know Kona can have those kind of problems. Um, especially as I have to be so strong to overtake a group. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's really just be patient. Um, wait for the climbs where, you know, you can put in a lot of time um, and try not to get caught up in the drafting and the in the packs and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and just race my race. Um, I know my numbers. I know what I can do. Um, I'm comfortable riding the distance. So, again, just be patient and wait kind of to the back half of the race to really uh, to really make a move.
1: And what um what are you looking forward to most and what are you crapping yourself the most about?
3: Uh well most just the race, the week. Um we fly in this week. Um and so just to kinda enjoy the, the week of festivities, doing the swim of course on Saturday, um that's coming up Saturday and then just all the parade, all the hype, um just to kinda be part of that. Um and I'm crapping myself with the swim. Yeah. the, the <laughs> uh training in the sea is i mean i've never swam in the ocean ever so i've never dealt (laughs) with salt water so um i've done one race that was non-wetsuit um which was a surprise to me that day so a lot of the things are uh, kind of outside my norm Mm. but uh that's part of the challenge it's part of the fun um i'm happy there is that practice (coughs) swim race to kind of give that a go and then uh we'll see for race day
1: Fantastic. Any any plugs? Anybody helped you out to get there or, or anybody anybody you want to plug?
3: Well, I mean, my wife, Tanya, and my son, Isaiah, they've been here through all the, through all the years of triathlon for sure. Um, and they are just such a big support. I'm staring at a photo right now that, that my wife took on Saturday, my last big training day. And my son and I rode, or he rode his bike as I ran. Nice. And uh, I mean, you cannot do that without the love and support of the people around you. And uh, that's why it's just such a celebration to do it with them. When I when I signed the paper to go to Kona, I mean they were shrieking behind me in pure joy. So it's to get to share that with them. Uh, my whole family is actually coming out, so they've all kind of taken on the Hawaiian vacation thing. Yeah, um, they come right before the race, so it'll be kind of just a, a very special moment for me. Excellent. No no pressure when the whole
1: family's there.
3: Yeah, I know, I know. I've already given them that the pep talk. <laughs>
1: Fantastic. Oh well, you go out there and kick some butt and um thanks for being a part of the show for, for such a long time listening in and uh and we look forward to seeing how you go on race today.
3: Awesome, thanks John.
1: Righty ho guys, I've got plenty of Australians on the show today and as you know in terms of the pro field over in Kona there'll be lots of hype this week around the big kahunas, you know, um, Fredino, Reef, Keenlay, etc but there's also plenty of other pros out there and one of those who scraped in by the hair of his chinny chin chin uh, in 55th place on the KPR rankings is Michael Fox from Australia so welcome along to the show Michael
7: Hey John, how you going? It's good to uh, get on here and have a chat to you, but yeah, you're right, I just uh, <laughs> just got in there. <laughs> yeah, so t- tell us
1: a little bit about your, um, where you've sort of come from on your website foxenduranceracing.com, you know, you've got your results listed from 2012 onwards where you sort of got into your 70.3s and have sort of built your way up to Ironman, but what was, what was life for you looking like pre-2012? Um,
7: yeah, good question actually. Um, I come from a surf life background actually in Australia so from a young age I was always a swimmer and into the surf sports and in about 2008 um, I looked at sort of crossing across to triathlon I'd sort of done a lot of things in surf with the board relays and I was the 2k beach run champion in Australia at that time for under 19 and went you know what Uh, I'll have a look at another challenge and uh, that got me a bit of involved in terms of coming across and having a go they gave us sort of a bit of a pro license card to have a go at some of the ITU races and uh, had a few goes at them and was good in the swim. You know, I was coming out of the water with some of our Olympians, you know, Courtney Atkinson and Brad Carlefeld, but uh, I think I can remember my first race in Hobart, I was uh, kicked off the course because I was lapped by, I think, six (laughs) six out of eight laps on the bike (laughs) with with about two months of riding under my belt. Yeah, so I was a little bit out of my depth at that point in time. then eventually lost that license because I wasn't good enough, which was probably one of the better things that happened to me. And then I had to go back to age group, and I qualified through Moolabar, um our Australian age group champs, um, doing non drafting there. Went back did a bit more ITU, and then as you just said, uh, 2012. I went over to the well, sorry, I went in 2011 first and did an ITU race and stayed with a mate of mine, Paul Ambrose, mm-hmm. and uh, then came back, stayed for a longer period in 2012 and. Did the high B series and all that kind of stuff over there that year and sort of sort of probably dipped my foot into the, the non drafting side of things a lot more than the uh ITU style of stuff that didn't really work out for me, I suppose you'd say.
1: Mm. <laughs> so so twenty twelve through to sort of uh 2015 when you did your Iron debut, um, Iron distance debut. Um, yep. How's how, you know for for a pro who's sort of finishing you know typically anywhere between third and tenth with you know at some other races sort of getting getting onto the podium. Um, how do, how do you make it all work? Because we know that the, you know you're not making millions, but how do you make it work?
7: Yeah, good. Um, in that time in particular, so uh, I'm a teacher trained PE teacher, um, so I. That's probably why I've had a few ups and downs in that time in particular. It's taken me a while to figure out that balance, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. In 2012, I was only casual teaching, uh, so I could take the time off to go overseas for four months. And I'd saved for that and accounted for all that. And then uh, in that time there, I had contracts where I was four days a week. And then I think in 2014, I think it was, Mm -hmm. I was full-time for the year. So that definitely saw a bit of a dip in my performance. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I was third in Challenge Melbourne that year in the February where I've been training up to it and then I started working full-time the next day and I think that was about the best result I had for another year and a half at least. Uh, And then I sort of went back to part-time and then you were talking about my Iron Distance debut in 2015, would have been Wanaka, um, where I chose to start there and probably went in there a little bit too fresh uh, in terms of Ironman uh, and not really knowing what I was in for, but it was a great experience nonetheless. I see. um, Yeah, the balancing act has uh, been quite a challenge where, now, no, the last two years, last year I was three days a week and this year I've actually upped it a little bit uh, with a few extra costs. I'm getting married the week after Kona actually. Um, nice. and <laughs> so this year's four days a week at the moment. So yeah, yeah it's, uh, it is a bit of a challenge but we've managed, uh, I'm coached by Matt Currie and he's quite good and um, sort of likes us to have other things other than just training as well sometimes to keep us scheduled and on time and yeah. Um, Accountable, I suppose you'd say. <laughs> I,
1: see you did, I see you did the uh, Embram, the short distance race at Embram in France back in 2015. That's got to, I've done that as well. It's got to be one of the hardest bike courses you'll find in terms of a short course race.
7: <laughs> yeah, it was um, certainly an experience, that one. Uh, I remember, yeah. Gritting my teeth a little bit on some of those descents, in particular, <laughs> with the uh, carbon race wheels and a TT bike on that one. Yeah. I kind of wished I had a road bike, actually. Um, but it's a great course. I'd love to go back to there any day. Um, yeah. It's an amazing part of the world, actually.
1: So, you, so you're going to Kona. Um, what was w- was this always part of the plan for this year, um, or did it just kind of happen? Um, because it's it's I, I guess it's largely due to the fact that, you know, you had a good race at a championship race, which gives you good points, and also I um, Ironman Australia, where you finished fourth. So was that sort of your plan to to do those two events that I'm picking? There's probably only about, a what, a month or so between those. Was that sort of your plan, then trying to make it to Kona?
7: Um, yeah, look, um, it wasn't a sort of major goal for the year. It was something that it's, if it happened, it happened. Um, I wasn't going to go and chase it, so to speak, um, but it sort of started back last year. I had an all right race in Bintan where I was third and then went to Western Australia. I didn't race as well as I'd hoped in terms of my placing, even though it was a, what 8.18 or something and quite a good race for me at this point in time. Um, I was seventh, so points aren't exactly uh, great for seventh. Mm. And at that point, I got engaged after that and went, oh, I'm not going to make Kona. So my wedding was booked for October 21 and still is. Um, and then like you just said uh, I raced Port Macquarie last year as well in 2016 I was going back there no matter what Um, we'd spoken about doing Cairns um, and thinking about doing that race because it's kind of cost effective for us racing inside Australia obviously and it's actually on the long weekend so I can get away from work as well there's a number of things that work for that Um, but we didn't speak about it formally until I finished the day on Port Macquarie we went let's just do that first see what I think yeah. Um, I was a little disappointed with the end of Port Macquarie. I think I raced a lot better there um, than shows in the results because I was fourth last year and I was a bit slower than last year. But I think that I was far more competitive and um, maybe just some of the ways some of the situations worked on the day didn't probably work to my favour. Um, so then after that, we sort of looked at it and went, you know what, I think a uh, championship race might suit me with a few more people around, the swim being a little bit more important in those races and that being a strength. So we went, well, let's test out my bike legs and go to a race where there's probably going to be a more competitive, higher-end field. So that was the process around that, really. And then we went, all right, let's get this moving. I'm fit enough anyway. It's just about looking after myself for, as you just said, five more weeks, mm. I think it was, um, to Cairns. And turns out that ended up actually being my best result yet and mm. best race yet. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that works sometimes.
1: So um, obviously going to Kona, it's a, it's a big expense when you got to go over there for for somebody who's a a working pro athlete. You know, what's the motivation to go over there, and and what are your sort of expectations? You know, it's a bloody p- tough place to to make any money. You got to finish in tenth place to make any money. So, yeah, what's your plan and your expectations and hopes for the day?
7: Um, yeah, you're hundred percent right. Top ten, um, I would say. You know, with, it, with being pretty honest, probably quite unlikely for me at this point in my career. Um, I think it might, you know, go down that path shortly. Um, but for me, in terms of my plan is, you know, I've made it to there without really having to go crazy um, to race overseas. And uh, look, I haven't raced since June, so I'm actually quite fresh. Um, mm. And we made that decision not to race and hope to scrape in rather than find another race to get in. Um, mm. And in that way, it gives me the opportunity to, you know, financially not have as much pressure to go over there in that regard um, and take it for the experience that it is and, you know, get some experience racing against the top level, see what it's about, you know, how I'm going to change things, how I'm going to improve. You know, like you said, uh, I don't really have many or any sponsors, so to speak, uh, apart from Nimbleware that give me parallel at the moment. So it's a bit of a networking opportunity as well. I'm getting out there in the industry more. Um, I'm getting opportunities like this to talk to you as well, I suppose. Um, So... From that point of view Kona is a big thing and a a big thing in the tri industry Um, in terms of on my on the day expectations look I think I'm pretty fresh there's (laughs) some guys that have raced pretty hard to get there Um, I've got a good swim leg if you look at uh, last year's race I've sort of been talking to Craig Alexander he lives near me uh, a fair bit about it and you look at last year there was the top 11 and the next sort of 13 and there's only really three or four more guys who rode back into the race after not making those first two packs. So, mm.
3: um,
7: you know, being a good swimmer puts me in a position there to have a bit of an option at being in, in the race and not being under as much stress and hopefully then being able to run to my potential. Um, mm. So uh, in terms of the actual placing, you, you never really know. It's hot conditions. It's the top, you know, 55, 60 guys. Um, anything can happen out there. Um, but I think I'm hoping, you know, to put in a good swim, top couple of packs, um, be conservative on the bike and look after myself, and then if I can put my best run in, I think Cairns was a low 250, so I can be in the you know, mid-250s with the heat. Um, I think you know looking at the results, there's a lot of guys that blow up outside three hours if they don't uh, be careful on the bike. Yeah. So.
1: What, what have others told you about the, the first stages of the bike? Because if you're a good swimmer, as you said, you're in a nice pack. But from looking at the race from the outside, it really it looks like the guys are going nuts for that first um, sort of 16k, the sort of town loop. Um, what's Quarry and, and any others sort of told you about that, that stage of the race?
7: Um, pretty much be very careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't get too carried away. Um, at the end of the day, I've been doing a lot of work on my bike to hopefully um, be able to survive there. But I don't think I've got – I hope to be up in the front group. I think, you know, um, Thorsten's try ratings have me up as one of the top swimmers, top sort of five or six. So um, I think that leaves me with the option if they do go crazy, I can go, you know what, the next group will come through. I'm not under that pressure where some of the guys are that are five or six minutes down that have to ride back into the race. Mm -hmm. Um, So – I think it does leave me with options, but I have been told to be very, very careful. <laughs> <laughs> and the race doesn't start until you get out, you know, a fair fair way on the highway. <laughs> so.
1: And um and what are you, what are you looking forward to most about the race you know, I'm sure you've, you've been in the sport for a while now. you will have heard huge amounts about it, but is there anything you're going I really want to see what that's all about you know I've heard the hype, whether it be the energy lab or the winds or anything like that. So is there anything in particular you're interested to, to, to see how that actually pans out versus what you've heard
7: yeah i think, I think the run, uh, like you just said, you've heard a lot of hype around. The Energy Lab, I've heard that a lot of people, you know, you can't get spectators out off on the highway now. Um, mm-hmm. So I think uh, when you're out there digging deep uh, by yourself and questioning why you're here, I think uh, I'm sort of looking forward to going through that and experiencing that and seeing what that's all about for each athlete. And I think that's probably why a lot of the guys have said the race doesn't really start until you get up Polani and take that left turn in the run realistically because um, that's where it all starts to uh, get questioned. Have I done enough work? Have I... Why am I doing this? Swap for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, all <of> the above. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And um, and Tim, how old did you say you were? I am twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. So one, of, one of the youngest starters, actually. Yeah. It's, um, yeah.
1: And so where, where do you hope to sort of be over the next sort of few years? You know, first time in Kona, um, do you sort of envisage yourself, you know, being a repeat Kona going back or, or more sort of just following the circuit, going, doing the races as you can? What's your sort of your, your plan over the next few years?
7: Um, yeah, look, my ultimate plan is to be up there in that top 10. Um, mm. The last few years, you know, the Aussies probably have been a little bit underwhelming in that uh, department. Um, you know, we had Burks a few years ago. Went seventh, which is you know exciting to watch. Mm. Um, you know, I'd love to be in that position over the next few years. So for me personally, um, at this stage, I'm still a working athlete, but I'd like to slowly progress towards, if I can, you know, working less. Um, hence why Kona's an opportunity. I've got a few meetings and catch ups with uh, potential sponsors and people that I've had contact with. So um, I'm looking forward to that and trying to progressively move in that direction. I'm not, I'm not in any hurry. Um, I think at the moment I'm still improving whilst working four days a week as worked this year. Um, I think ideally to go back to three and then down to two and then eventually none would be the best way of doing it so that I'm, you know, comfortable financially at the same time without that stress for racing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd like to be back at Kona on a regular basis. And I think whilst I'm excited, it's my first time there, I kind of see this as a uh, hopefully the first of many um, and a learning experience where I then can come back and, you know, know what to do and, know about that first part of the bike, know about what happens when you get out on the run and be able to make changes to that, Uh, much like when I go back to Port Macquarie or other courses that I've been to regularly. Fantastic.
1: Oh, hopefully you get some camera time out there and um, <laughs> and uh, we'll see how the race unpanned. Uh, so guys, if you want to check it out, Michael's website, go to foxenduranceracing.com. And as you mentioned Torsten in there, you'll be able to have a look through Torsten's tri-rating report as well in terms of uh, checking out his stats and where he's expected to finish and so on. So Michael, all the best for your race.
7: Thanks a lot, John. I appreciate the chat and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you guys again shortly. Sounds good.
0: Righto, John, we are back. And any other comments you want to make on Kona yourself just before we kind of wrap things up?
1: Oh, guys, if, you, if you're going to be, you know, want to get some more information, go and check out Torsten's um, Kona report. So go to tryrating.com. Um, we'll catch up with Torsten post race. you heard all about his travels already today. Um, but yeah, just looking forward to a good, strong weekend of racing. I just hope we get some great racing. Yeah. You know, that's all we all want is great racing I, I do want to see records get smashed to smithereens um, and I think we've got a couple of you know once in a lifetime sort of athletes uh, or once in a generation athletes with both Reef and Frodo and expect them to go out there and absolutely crush this race but um, hopefully we get some good close racing elsewhere and uh, and the, the Ironman Live guys give it some um yeah, give us some fantastic coverage to, to follow the day.
0: Now I'll be working, but John, will you go on Facebook and make any comments on Facebook on our Facebook page?
1: I'll be I'll be um, pottering along, watching most of the coverage all day. So we'll uh, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do.
0: Check in on Facebook and see what's happening there. Uh, John, let's talk about some sponsors.
1: Athlinks social networking
0: for endurance
1: athletes. Extreme endurance. The Lactic buffer, and some of our patrons. And let's name a few, John. Paul, the
0: creator, Yates.
1: We've got Mike,
0: the Farburn, Farmborough Fox, Hewison.
1: And Matthew, Prince
0: of Pain, Holtwick. Here we go. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.iamtalk.me and then you can be joining John and myself next year in Kona 2018. where We're even better than this year because hopefully we have Gomez here. Sorry, I'm just saying. <laughs> just, just dropping hits, Gomez. Um, John, what's your goss?
1: What's my goss? Uh... I – what is my gosh? I'm just sitting in Kiteria on holiday, and it's, it has stopped raining now. The sun's coming back out, so that's all good. Got the dinghy in the back of the car, and the kids are going to go out in the dinghy this morning. Oh, yeah, it's about lunchtime now. So they're out geocaching at the moment, Bevan.
0: So geocaching yeah. is, is where you basically find a site, and you've got to show you that you've been to or something, is it? It's
1: kind of like orienteering. <laughs> like orienteering. People have put these little things out there. So it's an app. If you've got kids, and you want them to get them outside and go um, – adventure, you know, looking for things uh, adventuresome, then you can go on there and there's a bunch of them around Kiteria. There's a bunch all around, you know, all sorts of areas. I'm not sure if it's more of a New Zealand thing or if it's uh, fairly popular worldwide, but it's just an app you download and a uh, good way to get your kids out there and looking for things.
0: And it's kind of like the Pokemon Go, but a bit more kind of nature-based, isn't it?
1: Mm, yeah, you are gonna kind of go on walks or, or in forests and, um, yeah, I, I've never played Pokemon Go, but I think it's, yeah, you're basically, basically online orienteering. Yeah, kids, gets kids moving.
0: It's good, isn't it? Uh, and what, any other goss?
1: No other goss. Doing a bit of running up here. I did a 1K hard yesterday, Bevan, just to sort of test the legs, and I've got a lot of work to do. So, where, where is it your 1K hard at? Uh, it's slower than what I need to be averaging for 5K to break 16 minutes. So, it's not, it's not pretty. Um, but, starting to feel a bit better with my running, but uh, just not the speed there. Starting to get some good consistency, laying some base. But it's. I want uh, a time. I want a, what did you do your 1K in? I was only like three nineteen. It was woeful. Mm-hmm. It was. It did have a little hill in the end. Of course it did. Uh, that, that was
0: probably costing nineteen
1: seconds. So I need to be getting down. You know, it's pretty weird when you think. You know, I'm probably only in seventeen minute shape at best for five k, yep. and I'm sort of talking sixteen minutes, a minute over five k. It's like that's a lot yeah, of time. It really is.
0: Really is because I did 17.09 a few weeks ago, and I was thinking about trying to get down. To, not that I'm trying to get down to sixteen, but I was just thinking, shit, if I had to lose seventy seconds. Have a five k's. That's because I was beating myself up to do that time I did, and uh, admittedly I was kind of just starting my running, but still, oh man! If you respect, if you can get under sixteen.
3: Mm.
1: So other than that, Bevan, uh, just looking forward to. Get, get, I'm getting torn now as well. The old fellinators decide to come over to Kona yep. for the Kona Camp next year. Still got a couple of spaces open for the Kona Camp in May, uh, and that's got me thinking. Oh, I wonder if I should go and do the seventy point three. Defending champion. Uh, I only want to go back if I'm in good shape, so I'm sort of torn on that one. Because well, you we'll won it see.
0: this year, didn't you? It was this year you won it.
1: Yes, oh. but it's going to be a lot harder next year with uh, Strongfield, and I kind of only want to race if I'm in good shape. So we'll just put that one in the I'll think about it box. Hey, if
0: you can get under 16, 16 for a 5K, you'll be right.
1: I'll be right. Bevan, you've uh, you've had your travels. Uh, What's been happening?
0: Well, I went over and did my Big Body Attack 100 thing, which was actually pretty special, but two funny things, John. Travelling stories. So first story was a really good one. I'm flying from Auckland to LA, and you know you always hope for an upgrade, but I didn't get one, and I'm on the plane. I knew a flighty, and I kind of knew her okay, but not amazingly well. She she let me sleep in the um, staff room. Oh, wow! At the top of the plane! Was she, was she angling for something? Uh, I don't think so. There was no kind of dropping of hints or anything, and there was no. And I'm a married man, John, so these things wouldn't happen, but. Um yeah, so I was, just, I was just about to fall asleep, and admittedly, I was sitting next to somebody who was a little bit in my space, so I was a little bit annoyed with that, but you know, I was kind of like, oh, well, I'll just have to make it work, and I was dozing off, and she tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, you're going to sleep? And I said, yeah, and she goes, do you want to sleep in the staff quarters? I'm like, bloody oats, I do. So, have you ever been in the staff quarters? No, tell So, us. You, you go above the plane, so you go above, and you, you can't really stand up, you're kind of bending over as you're walking up there, and then they've got... Basically, body length. It's a it's a bit basically narrow, but you know, like I had a great sleep. It was like the best sleep ever. So I'm better than first class, mate. I go I go staff quarters. Oh, there you go. There you go. And then uh and then on the way home, I had the most worst flight of all. Not the worst, but I I had seven hours planned for stopover in L.A. or well, not planned, but that was just the where I was meant to be. And my I basically got stuck on the tarmac for about three and a half four hours in Amsterdam, flying, I think it's Royal Dutch Airlines, or whatever it is, Um, and then we arrived, so you're a bit frustrated, because you had to wait four hours on the tarmac, then we arrive, they couldn't open the plane, so then it was another hour and a half to get
1: off the plane, I was not happy, John. That, it it rips your undies when that stuff happens, when you're sitting there, and you're like, get me off this damn plane. Oh, I know, and I had my lounge passes ready, I was
0: really looking forward to going to the
1: lounge, and didn't even get to go to the lounge, John. At the same time, you just got to chill and relax, and go, I can do it is really annoying, but God, it's so it's hilarious watching how irate some people get. Uh yeah, have... it's not the
0: stuff's fault. You know, the, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm with you, John. Just relax, go with the flow.
1: Mm. So, kind of this weekend, enjoy your watching. It should be spectacular. I hope you've enjoyed, uh, you know, it sucks when we're not there, but um, hopefully you've enjoyed hearing a few age group stories today and Torsten's input on the race, what I'm planning on doing next week. You know, we'll see if we can get a few pros on, but also going to catch up with a few of the other age groupers that volunteered to come on the show just to get their experience of the race, and uh, we'll see what we can do about getting a few pros on, but uh, looking forward to a good day.
0: Alright guys, so enjoy the day. And uh, once again, my John might be on Facebook. I'll be working hard for my money. But uh, you yeah, check out our Facebook page. You might get a few little commentaries, or just get a bit of a chat happening between all you guys. Over that, guys, let's wrap it up. John,
1: and Russ. I mean, you know, don't train
0: hard, train smart. Kicker.